You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to episode 401 of Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. I'm Eric. I'm Dan. And tonight we are joined by very, very special guests, Chris Storch. Say hello, Chris. Oh man, I got the two berries this time and I've been waiting <laughs> for the two berries for years and it feels good. Have I just I never want given you to know. you a very, very? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, honestly, if you did go very, very, you're going to dig back through the archives and you're going to be like, I did it every year. You see, you <laughs> every play. every it's single so time. You, you ingrateful asshole. Like, uh. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll up it. Very, very, very special guest. Oh, my God. I haven't earned that. So now the bar has been set too high for the rest <laughs> the of the year. The third berry is in Austria, too. Uh, uh, yeah. No, you have earned it. And we've talked about this every single time that we talk to you. Video monsters would not exist without Chat Film Fest. So, if anyone deserves a third very in in the introduction, Thank it is absolutely you. <laughs> well, bless you for saying so, and I'm honestly very glad that you still exist. It's 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 really awesome. So, well, I'm glad that uh, Chat Film Fest <laughs> still exists, uh, having survived a pandemic. Uh, me too. It's nobody thought <laughs> we'd get here <laughs> like ten years. Okay. <laughs> Yes, yeah, like it seems tr- like just nine years ago that I was getting yelled at by the Chattanooga Film Society and telling them that blood was something that kids liked in movies. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> who thought we would make it to this point? And now you're probably getting yelled at uh, by politicians for programming, you know, LGBTQ oh, films. Yeah, a little movies bit. You know, the title. If, if, my rule is that if Tennessee is going to embarrass me this much, that I should get to embarrass Tennessee right the fuck back, <laughs> you know? So it's just like, okay, whatever you guys want. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we appreciate <laughs> finding the good fight uh, through movies, as it should be, um, because you know the movies, their art and uh, the social messages and and all the things, and that's uh, that's why you're here to talk about movies with us. So, so yeah, CFF is turning ten. So happy birthday, Chris and and everyone. Oh man, CFF. it's it's actually like our technical birthday was in April, and I fucking moved the festival, so our birthday was like a couple of months ago, and we're just pretending we're just total <laughs> assholes that are like it's my birthday month. You know those people. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. birthday summer you know uh fine Good whole birthday yeah. season yeah yeah birthday season so if anyone deserves it it's you uh so oh. so yeah for in case anyone who's listening to us knows nothing about cff which is probably not likely because again most of our listeners are uh, probably through cff um cffers yeah yes the part of the cff family how did all of this get started because you've been doing this, because I, I know that you've been doing this for longer than 10 years as far as, you know, spreading the gospel of cinema. But CFF oh, man. So, itself. Yeah, the, the idea was like, essentially, I liked the idea of, of treating movie screenings like some people treated like DIY punk shows, right? And it was like, when I moved back to Chattanooga, even though the arts had like 
moved in incredible directions in the time that I had gone and moved to Nashville. Cause I went off to, you know, I grew up in Chattanooga, but I moved to, to Nashville in 2001, went to film school, uh, wound up getting a programming job at a, a channel called the documentary channel out there. And that was my first taste of film programming, but I was programming in a vacuum. I was in my little office watching screeners and I'd put stuff on the air, but I didn't know if anyone gave a shit about it until maybe someone would send me an email. And we got, we started to get fan mail and that kind of tickled the hell out of me. And that really got me to a point where I needed more of that. I was only able to program the documentary genre. And I took a job at the Bell Court, which, you know, Nashville's legendary art house theater, simply so I could be around other types of programming and got to, you know, do some midnight movie programming with with some folks that still work with us here at the festival today, like Jason Shawan and Zach Hall, who makes our animation every year. Like th these are buddies that I've had for over 20 years now, which is shocking. And uh, when I came back to Chattanooga, though, every other side of the arts had moved by leaps and bounds. There was nothing happening in the name of film. Like we were lucky if we got a few Oscar nominated indies a year. We were not getting genre stuff, let alone indie genre stuff. And I just didn't like that. So I, I had a job making industrial films for this like literal fucking uh, uh like motivational speaker uh, who had a company called Whoople, like it, like like made a noise that sounded like Google, and thought that was going to fucking launch him into the stratosphere. <laughs> and so I was literally shooting like Nissan like leaf training videos and all state insurance, sexual harassment training seminar shit and things like that. And just hating every second of my life and the side of filmmaking that I was on. And when I started our pop-ups, which was a film club with the, I had people email me names and the stupidest name anyone sent was mise-en-scenesters. And I was like, fuck it, I'll choose this. No one could pronounce mise-en-scene. I was stuck with it. It's it like made us sound pretentious in a way that we necessarily weren't. Uh, uh, but anyone, every, everyone, just started calling it MES and that's in 2009 our very first screening happened at the St. Elmo Fire Hall and it was a snowy shitty night and we showed Repo Man and Return of the Living Dead back to back and uh, somehow that event packed and it was just like whoa if people will come out in the snow for this 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 city is hungry for this in a way that I don't even think that I understood. And so it kind of just uh, every extra dollar I could save out of my paycheck to pay like film license fees, I started doing pop ups. And eventually my pop ups got enough of an audience that there was a group in the t at the time called the Chattanooga Film Society that started up. And they kind of begrudgingly offered me a spot on their board, despite the fact that I won't use docs anyone by saying their names, but like the person who ran this group was very opposed to genre cinema, hated horror, hated anything that I would ever show, and only kind of begrudgingly seemed to offer me a seat at that table. Well, at the time, this guy was like bringing in people like graduate students from other cities, trying to like groom a festival director and like create this festival that was like a tourist destination. And kind of almost to be a brat, I started this thing called the Frightening Ass Film Festival, which was like, you know, all right, I've already been doing pop ups. Let's do a bunch more and just do them in like a single day and call it a mini film festival and just like experiment with the formula. See if we can, you know. Do a little better, bring in a crowd that can stay around all day, that kind of thing, maybe do it on a weekend. And that went so well that I started to kind of, you know, pipe up at our board meetings and say, guys, I really feel like, you know, I, I have the formula figured out for a film festival. If you'll just let me give it a try, 
I think we can do this. And at the very least, we'll, you know, have an interesting case study on our hands where we gave it a shot. And if we need to, you know, take it a few more years and develop it, we can do that. And uh, they didn't want to do that. They told me that they thought we were 10 years away from any like realistic, you know, type of film festival. And I was like, well, if I can go out and raise some money for it, will you guys let me try something? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just to shut me up. And I went out and essentially had in hand raised our first $20,000 for the film festival. And that was, that was like a bizarre tour of, of meetings. And I still can't believe those people wrote my crazy ass a check at the end of those things. Like, for example, EPB, our, our local, uh, you know, uh, essentially, I guess they're like a utility. They're like, you yeah. know, most people get their power and their Internet through EPB. I remember I had an early meeting with them where they wrote us like a $5,000 check where their one question was like, do you think this thing will ever get big enough that Ben Stiller could come? And I was like, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Ben Stiller would love this. Uh, and so, you know, got some, you know, some early support from people that I think were a little more concerned about celebrities coming and doing this thing than actually independent films. But when I raised that first 20K, I went into a, a Chattanooga Film Society meeting thinking they were going to be very excited that we had some traction and that, you know, we were starting to raise money. And when I told them I raised the money, I got furiously yelled at by the guy who runs that. And he was like, you're a fool. You don't know what you've done. You know, like that you're flying too close to the sun and tried to convince me. And this is real that I should take that money and instead start the Chattanooga Tiki Festival, which is, you know, he's like, he could show Blue Hawaii, the Elvis movie and like play Polynesian music and there's grass skirts and everyone's drinking out of coconuts. And I was just like, dude, you run the Chattanooga Film Society, not the Chattanooga Tiki Society. I don't think that's a very good idea. And essentially, what could go wrong? What could yeah, go wrong? What, what could possibly go wrong? Right. So <laughs> then his reaction was instead to disband the Chattanooga Film Society, kick me the fuck off the board, and they ceased to exist. And suddenly, magically, we were the only game in town. We were just some crazy fucking guy who had the idea of trying this. And that's how year one started. Uh, uh, and uh, now, 10 years later, I think those people made the wrong decision. And if, if we had waited till their timeline right now would, would be when we were doing yeah. the first. So yeah, I, I don't feel like I regret that choice. And I'm sorry that the Chattanooga Film Society is dead, but I'm also not sorry I killed it. You know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, That's ridiculous that it would only just now be starting. Also, to be fair, uh, a Tiki Festival does sound pretty great. Can, oh sure, can, you know, with someone else's twenty thousand dollars that they fucking raised in Ben Stiller meetings, that sounds amazing. Well, you know, uh, for for the boat Ben Stiller would have shown up to the Tiki Festival. <laughs> you're goddamn it! You're he fucking right. loves Elvis. Year one, we meet the Fockers. Like uh, so. <laughs> for, for the boat party this year, can you please make it Tiki themed? Oh, uh, it's too late. It's already evil themed. Uh, so, <laughs> so evil tiki, tiki evil. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the bands will be into that. <laughs> that's a that's like a giant excuse to do a three story vinegar syndrome pop up and have a hardcore show on a riverboat. So I don't. We'll see how that goes. How <laughs> awesome would it be though to get all of those bands wearing like hulas and and lays hey, I, and I, freaking my I think ties. they would all do it. Yeah, yeah, you know they would. <laughs> Or, or at the very least, uh, get Jonah Ray to uh, to go full in on the tiki, and and just commit to the bit like he's on the wrong party. 
I got to say, I love him so much. And truly, we talk about, you know, how the type of guests that we bring out are the people that want to be here. Like post the Crispin Glover, Uwe Boll things like the the philosophy has been, you know, if someone doesn't want to be here, then I'm not paying them a $17,000 appearance fee. You know, this isn't a convention. You're not going to charge people for autographs. Like, I don't want that. That's not the culture of this thing. And uh, Jonah is coming for a plane ticket and is the sweetest, most wonderful, like... He's, you know, I just can't say enough good things about that guy. And I'm really proud that he's he's doing that party for us. It should be fun. He was scheduled for the, the festival in 2020 uh, when the pandemic began. And so he is, has, has kept this date in his calendar for us for a great many years now. And that, that just means the world to me. God, that's so awesome. I'm 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 super excited that he's going to be there. Uh, I, I love watching the same. Yeah. Under 3000. Love his stand up. He's just he, he seems like a genuinely funny and genuinely heartfelt punk hipster, not hipster. Yeah. Uh, just, just kind of, I don't you know, know. Yeah. Just, just, just it's a great guy. taste in music for yeah. sure. I, which is also like, I felt like I had to bring my A game with like the bands I booked at the show he was on. But like, uh, yeah, I also love that he's like showing up in Friends of the Festival's films now. Like, I don't know if you saw Christmas Bloody Christmas, but he's you know he's yeah. got a role there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and it's great to see him in a Bigos production and just know that we're all kind of sharing the same friend base. I just love those guys dearly, Josh, Josh, and Joe. They're just they've been with the festival, you know, in in our hearts since year one. Literally, we showed almost human. So uh, love those dudes. Yeah, lo- love Bigos, love Ether, uh, and and love Graham Skipper. And just I got that entire very much. Yeah, I, uh, uh, Eric and Dan can definitely attest to this. I start getting on a Graham Skipper and uh, Matt Mercer kick where I'm just like, guys, can, can uh, we just like two of the warmest gentlemen movies? currently alive. I love them so oh, much. Yeah. Truly. Absolutely. Matt, Matt, I could say a million good things about Matt's like we brought Matt out for a frightening ass film festival, asks for your address and then sends you an obscure slasher movie. He knows he doesn't have that. You talk like that's the kind of guy Matt Mercer is like. I just adore him. Uh, was really, really happy to get to do dementia part two at the fucking theater center <laughs> so that was uh, like ah oh, they, they are not looking at what we're programming so uh let's do this uh i i think that i told matt this one time uh and i mean this as the most sincerest compliment ever he seems like extremely fucking canadian oh wow i do, <laughs> maybe in like the in like his spirit like the energy he carries which uh, is just yeah. like a, a polite warmth uh i guess i don't yeah. know but uh yeah I, I can see that yeah very a very generous soul exactly indeed exactly uh so you, you already mentioned um you know that that this year finally returning back to in person after two years three years this is the third yeah, year three, so I think. yeah this is, it would have been the third yeah yeah damn so it's it's been four years since the festival yeah. in person. Uh, obviously, things have changed a ton because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've loved about CFF uh, is that you've always made CFF not just about the movies. Obviously, that's where it started. Obviously, that's where the love comes from. But you sure. worked very hard to make sure that it is a love of all things cinema. Like you want to share the music and the art and the stories and and have some of that communal experience. Like it's not just a movie festival where you go and watch movies. You are a part of this uh, to again share in the love of cinema. And when things went virtual. You were able to maintain that. You were able to keep that entire film fest feel in the online sphere, which a lot of other festivals tried. And some of them did okay, but a lot of them just played a lot of virtual movies and and they were lacking some of that communal aspect. 
but but yeah. I, I think that you um, again definitely have been working really hard to make sure that that maintained throughout the last four years. So now that things are going back to in person and virtual, uh, doing that hybrid fest. How did you find that balance between trying to get back to the, again, that in-person love of cinema, hanging out in the lobby, doing everything, being a part of the fest without turning your back on, all right, the last four years or last three years, the, like the, the, the film fest lobby has been in like Discord and Twitter and like doing stuff to be a part of it. So how did you manage um, kind of blending all of that? It, it honestly, I mean, it, it feels like a very simple formula of like, okay, I've made hundreds of new friends. Do I now be like, fuck all you guys. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> you know, like all these, all these people from all around the United States that never would have had a chance to come to Chattanooga. Didn't know what the word Chattanooga meant. Had never heard it. Discovered us through word of mouth in that time. And the community that all those people built, to be very honest with you, like, when I've run the years on the ground, I'm running around like a crazy person and I don't get to like make a tenth of the human connection I have made in years where supposedly I didn't meet anyone. But you know what I what I noticed, and I think I may have told you guys this before, but after the first year we did virtual, we got all this incredible feedback. But I noticed in all the letters, all the emails, people were using oh, I, I loved attending this, or I loved meeting Joe Dante, or I love, you know, it wasn't language that made it seem like they were so emotionally removed from the experience that they weren't a part of it. And that was one of those things where it's like, I can't, I can't and won't turn my back on this, but also there's a way to weld what the in-person festival used to be into this whole thing. And I actually, I think I may have just made a comment to this effect in the lobby of last year's Discord, I really, I'm interested to see not the ways that the in-person festival will influence uh, the virtual, but the way that the virtual and all the connections we've been able to make through things as simple as a Discord server will will influence friendships on the ground. Like I'm thinking about these people who are like maybe coming to the festival by themselves and don't have anybody to sit with. That might walk out of the entire week with some lifelong perhaps connections. And I think that's always been like. I, I, I tell the story that, you know, almost all my favorite movies I've ever seen in film festivals, I didn't walk into that festival with that movie on my list. I heard somebody excitedly talking about it with their friends in the lobby, and I made a note to check it out later. And that that got to extend into the virtual realm, it, it feels like it's going to gonna be an interesting mix of ideas this year. And I'm genuinely excited to watch how the Discord server explodes. And when you guys get the invite to this year's server, you'll see that we've expanded things even further. There's like trivia built into it now. There's just a million little things to make it interactive. Like last year we did the the radio station, the pirate radio station, Radio yeah. Free CFF. Like not only is that back, like I think our playlist was 76 songs this year. It's like 176 this year. Like we've just taken all these little ideas that people started to run with, I think to their you know, to the next Pokemon evolution plateau. Like, and it just, it feels really interesting to like, I'm so excited for it to get here and to see how some of these things play together. So I really appreciate you talking about that. Like accessibility, I think is the true and honest future of film festivals because otherwise it can't just be a bunch of shit that's about to come out in the theater in two weeks anyway, or shit that Netflix gobbles up and unceremoniously releases with no marketing a month later. Like there has to be a future to this 
this medium. And I kind of feel like we're on the path. I feel like we can see some weird destination off into the future, even if we can't see what that destination looks like yet. Our eyes are a little blurry. It feels like we're onto something with this formula. And I think you guys have been on the ground and I say on the ground, but I literally mean our discord server. You've seen it happen. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's super cool, man. I love it so much. It, it, it was a cool experiment. And like you said, with when South by and things started to go virtual, they just put a bunch of tiles up that you could click on Amazon and expected that to equal the experience that is South by Southwest, which it just can't like that's it's just yeah. doesn't. And so I think the festival half of it, you're right. A big important half is, is are the movies. It's a film festival, but the other half of that is the audience. And if you don't plug them in in a substantial way, it's bullshit. You're isolating them. You're not, bringing them in you know i the long answer for everything i know but i uh, i felt like that one merited it yeah yeah and w- one of the things that um that you know like you said seeing how the virtual is going to impact the in-person pretty sure i've mentioned this uh especially talking to you about uh cff and and how much i love that uh, cff family atmosphere not necessarily yeah. family friendly but the cff family no, um, it used to be, but then, like, even then, I was showing shit like you know Transformers, the movie on thirty-five millimeter, forgetting Optimus Prime died, and then traumatizing a bunch of kids. So you know, maybe it's best that I stepped away from that side. <laughs> maybe just a little bit. Um, yeah, like in person, I, I'm an introvert, and so like when people are Same, in the lobby talking yeah. about movies. I'm not the kind of person to walk up and be like, hey, what are you guys talking about? Because yeah, like, exactly. I, I don't want to interrupt their conversation. You know, like now you get to be a part of all that. It happens all yeah, around you. So like on, it's so great. Right. In yeah. Discord, I can just start with what are you guys talking about? And people will dive in with whatever they're talking about. And it's not weird. <laughs> and I love that. So I'm really, really interested to see uh, yeah, like how some of that plays out. And me too. Yeah, absolutely. For, for me, I, I absolutely I, I'm not the audience for message boards. I, I just never have been. I, I don't, get it. Yeah, I'm not either. I take I'm too long either. to formulate yeah. my thoughts that by the time I go to enter, and I'm like, oh, we're on three different topics yeah. now from where I was. <laughs> but right. I love the opportunity to scroll through the conversation and see what people have been talking about. And then, you know, it's it's a virtual eaves, eaves, eavesdropping for me, which it is sure so yeah, I'm a when there's alert as well for the most part. <laughs> and I'm not. I don't even for my mental health allow for, myself like on social media anymore. So this is yeah. it for me. Yeah, but you know, yeah, it's I'd interesting. like to hear what people are talking about and continually bringing up. Just to be like, oh, okay, I have that film. Yeah. So the first year we did virtual 2020, we noticed that those discussions were happening on the open internet on Twitter. And it was like, Oh my fucking God, there's spoilers everywhere. What do we do? We're spoiling every movie we love. Uh, but then, so it like discord was like, all right, if, if we do this, we've got private little rooms where we can have these conversations about movies. But then I, my brother-in-law during the very beginning of the pandemic pulled together a D&D group and the, the tool they wanted to use so we could all play the game together was Discord. And I started to see the ways that that worked for us with something as interactive as a game and then remembered all the problems we had with Twitter and thought, all right, there's maybe an idea here that can be welded to another idea. Uh, I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom right now, so I'm like fusing everything, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, like, it's just, I, I really, I appreciate you guys 
being on that wavelength with it because it really does for me i am so terrified of public speaking this is the only time of year when i can pull that out of myself but it Mm -hmm. feels very different now i feel like i almost know everyone in our community and obviously we've seen a lot of badges sell to folks that this is their first time but i feel like you know you can tell by some of these weird ass email addresses that these are our people (laughs) so you know like 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 dr spooky yeah sir you're gonna have a great week so you know (laughs) Oh man! Yeah, I'd never actually used Discord before until uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was not familiar with it at all. Um, and it, it's it's an incredible. It's like my preferred social media platform now because of how I agree. You can kind of curate it, and you can like cut out all the noise and bullshit that you get from Twitter and everything. And um, and it feels like Mark it spoilers. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you can mark spoilers. Which, which you got to love. What's more film friendly than that, for God's sake? So you right. Know. Well, and it, it's it, it does have the same feeling that I got from being on the ground at at the film festival because it's like yeah, I'm also very introverted. I don't like to. I'm not very good at just like coming up to people randomly and you know sure. striking up a conversation. But I that was pulled out of me at Chattanooga Film Festival. Like people will just come up me or like you know if you're kind of lingering around people will be like oh hey what did you think about it and it's like it was really easy to get drawn into these conversations and open yourself up to talk to people that you ordinarily wouldn't do and i get the same thing from discord where i feel more comfortable it's so good to hear honestly engaging with people yeah yeah and especially the way that you have broken uh with the the channels for each of the movies because then one of the things that i love about that typically whoever made the movie is just like you know lurking is probably not the best word to say uh, no they, no they I, it feels right you channel. know it, it's like they have a yearbook it's their high school yearbook and everybody yeah. signs that yearbook by the end and they just are drinking in all these kind comments about their movie and you know uh i i love that for them it be, it's become both a q a and like a guest book of sorts uh and it's it's been a fun experiment it's also very encouraging like i don't know what it is about the group like again like it, it seems like it is such a positive place unlike any other place on the internet like there's something like you would rarely ever see people come into you know a chat and just like shit on a movie or whatever which you know part of that could be the, do the curation but you know it's like it, it was just such a positive atmosphere and it felt like unlike anything else and, and again it felt very much like the kind of communal experience that you got from being at the festival and uh, even that feels like you know it's like Hollywood is 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 for years lionized these people like Joel Silver and fucking Harvey Weinstein that are like known for their tempers and being shitty to people. It's like well, you look at shows like like Entourage right, yeah. and the Ari character, and it's like it's just that's to me this is about celebrating the movies, not the shitty parts of the movie business, yeah, and right. that's something that I I think if you lead with that, the culture of kindness follows because even though we've done some things like put out community guidelines and tell people to be kind, that's not something that the the people that are enforcing that culture that's bigger than me now. Like there's not like four of us moderating shitty comments and they're just disappearing. They're not there, and they're not there because right. all of you have have taken it upon yourselves to go forward with that kindness so if the experiment just began and ended with us it wouldn't work i don't think so like it's 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 so cool when a group of human beings gets together and collectively get that idea like if we if we pull for something that's not negative like we can and you know that's not to say we can't 
criticize things we don't like either, but we've managed to figure that how to do that respectfully in a way that fucking Twitter definitely doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Especially you know, now. Like, yeah, God. The dark ages are upon us. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that so much of that honestly just comes down to, you know, like, has this been in place since the very beginning, uh, your slogan of respect cinema? Or has that only been over the last? It's been years? since year one. Yeah, honestly, since year one. Uh, now we've like kind of amended. Uh, like you'll see that every night in the virtual fest, there's a thing that we call the red eye, which is like both the last flight to leave the CFF airport and the condition we think your eyes are going to be in after a day of just cramming <laughs> and full oh, cinema. Yeah. And also, you might be on drugs. That could be another reason. It's fine. Sure. I'm not judging you. That's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's like I just I I feel like by also trying to build in goofy things like, you know, secret screenings or just do things that are experiential too. And like, think about those great, you know, showmen, the people like William Castle that are like in the DNA of this festival. And I want you to know, we had at the beginning of this year, a William Castle tribute plan that we had announced in 2020 and then overlook another festival yeah. did it. And I was like, son of a bitch. Uh, I, won't do I, remember, it yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it uh you know no god bless them for for doing it the way they did it but i it definitely caused us to like kind of pivot and do this amazing tales from the crypt tribute instead and all of the pieces of that are things i can't wait for you guys to discover it's like turned into something even bigger than the castle thing would have been and i'm so overjoyed to have it and those guys their their podcast how not to make a movie is almost like what i was just talking about about celebrating film and not the film industry they're just it's a million stories about how terrible a human being Joel Silver is and how it almost wrecked these guys lives and their friendship and they overcame that with their show it's very much them going through cinema therapy and fighting their demons and one of the really rad things this year is they're watching Bordello of Blood a movie they can't stand for the first time in 25 years with a CFF audience. And I'm just thinking to myself, like this might be one of the only groups of people I know that's warm hearted enough to pull these guys through this. Like they, they caught wind of the vibe of this thing and agreed to something that they hadn't been able to do in decades. And I think that's way cool. And definitely the culture of kindness has allowed that to, to, to take place. Yeah. And, and, and again, like just having respect to the first word, like it, it puts you in that mindset of, all right, even if you don't like it, respect it. Uh, and you know, I've, I've mentioned this a number of times, I've not loved every single movie that I've seen at CFF. And you shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, but I hope, yeah, I think we've talked about this before. It's like, if I ask you, were you glad you watched it? You always say yes. Oh, oh yeah. And it's I've, like, I've loved yeah, that so I've seen like, everything that I yeah. have. There's a few movies that I'm just like, eh. But like, I, I love yeah. that I've seen all of it. And even the ones that I didn't love, I, I either, you know, respectfully, it's like, okay, here's why it didn't work for me. Or if it just like really didn't work, and don't worry, in the like six years, I think there's only been two that really yeah. didn't work. I just I just shut up about them. Uh, so the uh, <laughs> so as you, just a second ago when you were talking about um, the, uh, the the guys for uh, Bordello of Blood and you know like how shitty the movie industry is, but how important movies are, I think that all of us can probably uh, relate to this. The movie industry sucks. Like the people who make movies, and I'm not talking about like independent filmmakers, but like the Hollywood machine. It's just like, God, fuck that. But movies. Yeah, and some are trying to make AI write everything. Like right now, they're like, these we don't need Uh, these writers. I swear, just give it two more props. We're there. uh, Like you know, it's crazy, man. It's it's ridiculous. But movies still hold so much power. And, and I think that um, we certainly don't have time to get into this conversation of movies that we uh, 
door by people who are just reprehensible, vile pieces of shit. Oh, sh- but sure. just in general, despite where all of this started, uh, again, in terms of, you know, like Hollywood and um, and just the terrible people that get the movies made. And again, not talking about like the the good of, of movies, but like Weinstein, right. and, you know, people like that. Movies still have such a power to affect us. Like every single one of us, when we have a bad day, I can guarantee you one of the first things that we think is what movie do I want to watch right now? Like I, I know for a fact that when Eric is sick, his go-to movie to feel better is watching The Fly. Oh wow, that's the, all right. <laughs> you're, you're talking about the Cronenberg version, right? Yeah. Not the Vincent. I have, yes, okay. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, you're a dark man, Eric, and I don't think I realized how dark before. So, uh, for, for me, it's, it's like, like it's a weird ritual I, I have. But, uh, I saw that at exactly the right time in like, my life. I think the very first time I watched it, I was sick, and I don't even remember why. But it's just one of those things where every time I watch it, I'm like, well, you know what? I feel like shit, but you know, at least I don't feel so as shitty. Fly. So yeah. Rundle. yeah. <laughs> at least I'm not that bad. My exactly. fingernails aren't fucking off. Well, and, and so, ears. so there's just so much power in in movies, whether it's for escapism or for conveying some sort of social message or or for the artistry of it. And there's just so much about it that even those again, sometimes terrible people can be involved. You can't take away how important movies are to people because it's not just entertainment i mean if it was just entertainment no not at all no, eric and dan it's, would it's not transcended stay up as, that so much yeah, and, yeah and if it was it, just it, entertainment these guys would not stay up as late as they do uh talking movies with, with me because <laughs> trust me uh i want to talk way more than they do but i just I, I don't know like that that love of movies and and that power of movies i think is something that while there are people uh who are part of making other fests happen who have that same love. And while there are people... Oh, 100%. Every festival other, is a labor of love. Yeah. yeah. And and while other people who do attend other film fest have that same love, there's just something about Chat Film Fest. And and maybe it's just the, the whole Southern hospitality-ness of it. I don't know. But there's something about like that realization of <clears throat> movies are more than just movies that really permeates the fest. And I know that you work your ass off to make that happen, but there's also something magical that when people get together at chat film fest, it just kind of exudes. And I, I don't know, there, there's just something magical about it. And I cannot wait to be back in person and, and just kind of soak in that. Yeah. And this year we have added an, a slight addendum to respect cinema. We still always will have respect cinema, but this year we also have as another little hashtag that we hope people will begin to associate <laughs> with the festival to avoid the tyranny of good taste, uh, <laughs> which is something that uh, John Waters once told me when I told him I was bored shitless by bridge on the river Kwai, uh, which is, you know, a movie that everyone loves, but not me. Um, sure. And I always felt, you know, like I should like it or like I should see something in it. And I had a great conversation with him about David Lean a few years, uh, at least like a couple decades back. He came into the Nashville Film Festival with a 35 millimeter print of Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. And that's when Nashville was doing a bit more genre programming. And I loved that festival a lot more than I, you know, no offense to it happened to now. Uh, so it, it's it had that tiny thing he said to me is stuck in my head. And we've approached every year with that in the back of our heads and respect cinema is something that's, that's been there too. It's just like, whatever it is, a bunch of people went out and worked their asses off to bring it to you. And that doesn't mean you have to love it, but at least respect the fucking hutzpah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. 
Oddly enough, the reason I cannot attend live this year is because I'm seeing John Waters live on the Twitter. That you you will not regret that decision one bit. You get a pass uh, on this one, Dan. Gosh, we've yeah. tried to bring him out multiple times, and that's just like I won't even tell you how much it costs to book that guy for an hour. It's bananas. Uh, so I, it's I uh, yeah. I mean, look, that warms my heart uh, to know that John Waters can pull that. VIP pass. So I've got a one hour counseling group counseling session with John Waters after his show uh, with like he's 20 so warm and kind you'll love that he's such a like yeah. completely disarmingly awesome make sure you ask him about his serial killer artifacts collection it is whatever story he tells you will be something you will never forget <laughs> so <laughs> yeah very <laughs> <laughs> Dan is making a note. Yeah, I'm glad. Glad to be. She's like, I'm taking this to heart. There we go. I'll have a little notepad with me. Andrea's gonna walk down tomorrow. Look at your notes and be like, "What's this about serial killers? What's going on?" Yeah, yeah I always write things down that are random like that in my CFF notebook. So there's all sorts. Of there's things, nothing like, that comes out of my brain that surprises that woman anymore. She, I, I, I say way too much random shit that everything. She's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I know you'll connect those. Those very disparate subjects, somehow, but <laughs> I'll wait. Just like every good serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Good. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, a, a little while ago, when when you were talking about some of the movies that you're programming for uh-huh. for the fest, and not wanting to just get things that are going to be on Netflix in a couple of weeks, right? There's also, you know, wanting to get movies. That people are going to be able to see. Like, obviously, you want uh, you you want to have premieres at CFF. You want to sure. kind of be in on the ground floor to have all of these unique experiences that people might not necessarily have, uh, even at other film fests. But at the same time, I know that you're not just programming like a one and done. Like, all right, I want people to know that they can see this at CFF, or they can fuck off and never see it again. Like, obviously, all, there's man. wanting them to see it after the fact. Um, is there any sort of rhyme or reason or is it just pick the movies that we love and pray to God that they get picked up of trying to um, of trying to find that balance between new and unique and this might be the only chance that you have to see it and we want to be part of getting the hype for this movie so that when it does hit streaming everyone knows go see this movie so I can tell you one thing that you might not know about us, which is that a lot of film festivals have these policies where if a film is in a world premiere, they won't program it at all. And uh, uh, whereas I really feel like our role as festival programmers is to, you know, first of all, in the era before virtual, you know, it was called the film festival circuit for a reason. These things are like traveling bands are, you know, they're on the road, they're on the circuit. They're hoping, hopefully getting to be seen by audiences in all kinds of regions. But uh, to me, the dirtiest word anyone could ever use to describe CFF, and I've had a few distributors call me this and I fucking rue the day when they say it, is regional. Oh, you're regional. Because especially now, post the you know virtual experiment, the audience is everywhere. It's not regional; it's national, and uh, uh, the, that's the other side. We have you know a lot of like producers, reps, and sales reps whispering to uh, indie filmmakers that they, oh, don't let your film premiere virtually, or it'll you know it'll get oversaturated and ruined. And 
that's another thing. You'll note that when we say we're selling out of tickets for a virtual film festival, obviously there's an infinite number of seats if we want there to be, but we cap the number of people that can attend at 2,000. And we do that for a couple of reasons. We do it A, so we can guarantee that the number of people that watch any given movie isn't like 10,000 and then no one's interested in it and then the buzz has gone nowhere. We want to build that buzz with roughly the same number of eyeballs that there would be in a big auditorium at a big festival. You know, like I've, I've been in rooms at like South by. I, the room I saw the knocked up premiere in at South by years ago probably had 600 or more seats. So it's like, you know, when you're talking to those kind of numbers, that's not something that's going to scare the shit out of people in the same way that like 10,000 would. Right. But also mm -hmm. around 2000 people is the most me and my staff can handle and know that we can give you all a good experience. That's like if somebody's got a question, I've got a chance to be Johnny on the spot and answer all those questions within five minutes of them getting answered. And that allows somebody to continue having fun right away and not have to go to some fucking help desk somewhere and wait and want, you know, it just, it feels like we've had an opportunity to address the pain points of the film festival experience in a way that I hope will, will be great for people too. So that's like, I think virtual can be the future if we handle it responsibly. And I think too many, you know, distributors and people out there have an idea about it that, that isn't what it actually is. So that's kind of like, I almost feel like we've become these activists for accessibility in some ways uh, be because of this experiment. And it's something that for every filmmaker that didn't get it, there are four this year that absolutely did. And that's why you're also like, we had people at other festivals that I won't dox and mention, tell people, our fans that ask them, hey, CFF's doing virtual again this year. Why aren't you guys? And they're like, oh, distributors and filmmakers don't want to work with us. And then they've been like, well, why does CFF have fucking 51 features this year? And then those people haven't necessarily had an answer. I guess they've hung up the phone or I don't know. But uh, like it's it can be done. It just requires a hell of a lot more work. But again, it's work that as I've done it, I've had it in my head that I knew the people I was doing it for. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's very yeah. obvious what this meant to so many people. And I'm not going to just disappoint those people without good reason. Just not happening. So, yeah, I'd like to picture as you were uh, arriving at that 2000 as like, this is how many uh, you and your staff can handle like to picture that there was just a two thousand and one person just like sitting in the corner <laughs> weeping because not you, Gregory. No, that number is actually uh, our friends at Fantastic Fest. Early on, when I started CFF, I should point this out. You would ask the origin story earlier. The origin story is not complete unless I say the name Kristen Bell, who was the festival director at Fantastic Fest when I tried to start CFF, and I wrote Kristen a fan letter and told her how much I loved her programming and nerded the fuck out about what that festival meant to me. And she not only wrote me back, she helped me build our first budget, uh, as did Jenny Bloom from the Colorado Cinema Society, who was the, the, one of the original folks that when Overlook Film Festival was still the Stanley Horror Film Festival and located in the Stanley Hotel, she was one of the, the founders of that festival. So those two ladies really shape this thing. And one of the things that Kristen told me was, Hey, you know, that fantastic fest is in a single location every year. That means that we set the number of badges we sell to 1500 people because that's what that location can handle. And so I had that number 1500 in my head and I thought, you know, what if we just do 500 more than that? Because I'm a ridiculous maximalist and I can't fucking stop. <laughs> and 
So that's kind of where that number started, but it also feels like the sweet spot for, again, like making sure that that experience is a good one and also not overloading our team or Festivy's team too. Like if we're not overloaded, that means that we are able to answer more quickly. And so that kind of makes sure that the machine stays oiled, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's not about like just continually welding parts on and making more and more and more. And you'll notice that though there are 51 features more than we've ever screened this year, those running times are lean and mean this year. I think the longest thing we're showing is a hundred minutes. Uh, so that, which we appreciate, that was kind of, you know, and I'm not going to say, yeah, that there aren't great movies with longer running times, but it just felt like, if we go lean and mean, we can we can pack more in and mathematically guarantee that if some crazy bastard rolls into this week and wants to watch everything, that they can do it. And I think that's like those those people are me. I'm the person who's like uh, testing my endurance at every festival I go to. And it felt like we were being more polite to them if we were staying sub 90 minutes than than if we weren't. So, yeah, that is very much me every single year. Like it's OK. How much can I physically watch? Uh, that feedback's been in my head too, man, because it's like, yeah. I, I, you'll notice actually, th- I'm glad that this came up because this is something I wanted to point out is that the first few years, I, the only reason I was doing more than one screen was so I could pack more movies into that week. But what I was effectively doing was making everyone on the ground have to make ridiculous choices between mm-hmm. two things and then not having enough time left to screen something a second time and give them a second chance. So that accessibility, that idea has been in my head now this whole time. And so you'll start to see that, say you want to go to a party and see Jonah Ray this year. Well, the movie that's screening across from that party, that's available virtual too. You don't have to make Mm -hmm. any decisions like that. There's one screen on the ground, meaning that the on the ground days are like a guided tour through CFF where it's possible to see everything if you want to. But then we turn you loose and choose your own adventure land for the back half and you can have that experience too. You can curate your own festival if you want. And so it felt neat to try to weld those two ideas together and you know, make it to where there was an abundance of choice, but no hard choices that you had to yeah. miss something altogether. So that's definitely some feedback that's been rattling around in my brain and I couldn't do anything about it until 2020 and the virtual stuff happened. I started yeah. to see other possibilities. Um, Thank you so much for that because uh, every no, single I mean, year in person. Thank you for being patient with me while I fucking made you miss a bunch of shit you wanted to see. So, <laughs> no, like, I, I one one of my favorite slash least favorite days of the year was always uh, when I know, I know when when you came uh, out with dropping. the schedule, and I was like, I, I, when I, I can finally start. Oh that, fuck! What am I gonna have to miss? Every, when I would put that schedule out every year, I'm like, who am I gonna make hate me this year? Like, let's do it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty I sure Nathan. Didn't you and I back in like 2019? We did an episode where we were just trying to figure out what the fuck we were going oh, to. Watch. I'm, I'm <laughs> we so sorry that episode, episode had where you we were yeah. like, "That's yeah. terrible." No, I mean yeah. it was fun, but also our short programmer uh, Clementine, uh, who comes to us from Slam Dance and as a professor at USC, uh, he was somebody early on. It's like Chris, man, you know, if you've got this audience of 2,000 people that you're keeping things locked down to you're just thinning out the crowds for each filmmaker. If you're making three things play across and you're making people choose, like why can't all those people be in the same theater that makes a crowd bigger, that makes the reaction of the crowd bigger. So it's like, there, there's been so many different little influences to get to this point. And I'm truthfully embarrassed that it took 10 years. I really am sorry to be fair. So, though, you know, to, to be fair yeah. to yourself, you, I, I, I genuinely think this um, every single year with looking through the schedule, there seemed to be a pretty clear, all right, if you like this kind of film, here is your track. 
if you like right. this style. It's definitely thoughtfully put I, I together. Thank you yeah. for noticing that. I appreciate that because it is like we start to see these little thematic stripes emerge, and it's like we lean into that. Like this year, if you had told me uh, I'd have a Bigfoot double feature, I wouldn't have necessarily believed it because I've seen you know one Sasquatch movie come across our desk in 10 years and this year there were two and they were both so amazing they had to be included and <laughs> truly right now just write down summoning the spirit and watch that fucking movie and do not let me blow how it goes bigfoot but when it goes bigfoot it goes big fucking foot and you will like this movie a lot it is a really special piece of work and and you can also use the words hauntingly beautiful to describe it so i uh, uh i don't know i i do love those words i tend to use them uh a lot um yeah, in, in, in years past, like you had themes, and so it was easy for someone who wasn't me to just be like, okay, this is what I'm going to watch. But then right. there are people like me who was like, no, the track that I want is all the damn tracks. I want right. all of them. Like, and and your, so your, your brain is like literally what I'm programming for, which is yeah. to say, like, I don't want a demographic. I want a demographic that's 10 demographics. You know what I mean? Like, we're all open minded mm-hmm. enough that we can try some shit together and let's do it. You know, yeah. uh, so th- I really appreciate that because yeah. that makes me feel like I'm not just sitting in my office throwing sh- spaghetti at a wall <laughs> and be like, ah, a couple noodles stuck, you know, well, <laughs> like the, the last couple of years, my choice has only been between. All right. Do I watch a movie or do I sleep? And right, the, that's mine too. I'm like, <laughs> should I watch the first movie? My, I'm like, if you fall asleep in the theater and the filmmakers there, that's fucking rude, you know. Like, uh, so <laughs> don't do it, Chris. Yeah, the uh, I, I think like the last um, the last few years has been what like a four or five day fest. So like the first two or three days, it's I should probably get some sleep, and then day three and four, like going up until the last minute that uh, that the fest is available, right. it's just like. Nope, I I will just pack them in. Yeah, I am trying yeah. to get everything. That's why the not so secret bonus day was born, which is to say, like we're just pretending <laughs> yeah. right now that you can't also watch movies on June 30th. You can watch movies on June 30th. <laughs> so, and uh, this is a scoop for Bex, who we'll see if Bex listens to this whole episode. This is a a, a little a treat for her. So, I, this is a scoop for you and your listeners. Uh, so, obviously, there are seven days of secret screenings this year, but there's a bonus day of the festival. So, wouldn't it be stupid if I didn't also have a secret? screening that day too and wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if that secret screening was actually a triple feature i think it would so that let's do it um amazing yeah sounds like a great idea that. yeah sounds yeah. like just stupid maximalism <laughs> is our brand i was gonna say humor. i, I truly <laughs> appreciate your maximalism maximalism like, is uh underrated it's just like a few more sparkles and this will be this will be ready you know like kind of a thing so i i i feel like we got to do that a lot this year and it, it really feels fun I I always love the secret screenings. So uh, that's why Kazoo Crew at chatfilmfest.org is a real email as well. And if you join that, perhaps you will get a, a creed sent to you. And perhaps if you agree to that creed, you can be part of an all Kazoo musical review that will only play one show at the CFF closing night party <laughs> and then break up forever, perhaps. We don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, that's also why I have in a box across from me 72 CFF branded Kazoos. Uh, just waiting to see if that wacky shit happens and if anybody writes that email address. So this is an experiment we'll enjoy together to see if anything does. So like last year we had the fun of like having people write in and ask the secret screening and every year it's like, all right, what ridiculous shit can we do that no other festival would do? And the two things we came up with this year were the kazoo thing and the uh, have custom weed edibles available in the lobby for some of your movies. So it's like I don't think Sundance has had a custom weed edible when they screened Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. Like so we have it. So, oh uh, my God, this is going to be fantastic. 
<laughs> Maybe it is. We'll find out together. <laughs> Everyone's just going to walk out just freaking out. Just like, what did I see? Oh. I need to go call my mom. It's like, you didn't exactly. watch movie. Yeah. yeah. And then furthermore, when you watch Trim Season, a weed horror movie, when you walk out, they'll be on hand to give you gummies to help calm you down in case your blood pressure is just perhaps a bit too high from the screening. So it uh, it just felt like some fun. And again, our buddies at Snapdragon Hemp are working with us this year, and they have been like the most incredible people to bounce ridiculous shit off of because when it doesn't just bounce, it comes back cooler than whatever we spit at them. So I just, there, there's a bunch of fun stuff. Like there's a book fair happening in the, in the, during the film festival this year. Like I think all of us have like warm memories of our elementary school book fairs. Well, we've done that this year with all horror authors and brought two of the greatest scary storytellers ever to a haunted hotel to tell you ghost stories. So that felt good too. And of course that stripe of ghost stories, like you said, there's like thematics everywhere. There's like 20 great ghost stories for you to discover this year. So, God, I uh, I don't know if I knew that you were doing the book fair. I am super fucking stoked. Oh, it, it hasn't been publicized yet. It's like, again, some of this stuff is like we're going to do kind of goofy, you know, almost like flash mob style, ridiculous pop ups of shit during the festival at key times. So it's like when you get turned out of the theater to a movie, you're not just going into the lobby. You're going into the lobby when something is happening for you to interact with right away. And because of when you get to the read house, you'll see it really the the we have this entire mezzanine floor of the read house and they gave us so much space. It became something that like we even have a thing this year that we're I, there's I, there's no correct name for this thing. I've been calling it Q corner. But the idea is I fucking hate that we have to limit Q and A's to 15 minutes because a lot of them start picking up around 15 minutes and then the conversation starts happening. Now we have a room across the hall where if something runs long, we don't have to cut it. We can have, tell people to join us across the hall and there's a, a, you know, a podium in a circle of chairs where the filmmaker can hold court and that can last as long as it wants to. So it's like just little stuff like that, trying to trying to tweak it all and find ways to to make it bigger and better, but not, you know, at the expense of anyone, you know, kind of a thing. I cannot wait. Is it is it June 23rd yet? Can can we just like go ahead and start the fest tomorrow? It's, it's a technically June 22nd if you want to come watch Monster oh, Squad. That's with right. Yeah, which will be a blast too. It's like again, it's our tenth anniversary. It felt like, and and again, we did try to have Joe Bob out this year too. We started trying to book Joe Bob in November, and that man is just like unreachable at this point. So, uh, uh, but again, having Andre and, and you know the Monster Squad as a part of this year, they, those guys have been part of our family since the year we did that, and it just felt like I want these people. Right, like Jeremy Gardner is going to be around, just hanging out. So it's like the people that have meant something to this festival in all 10 years of our life are getting to celebrate our 10th with us. And it feels really good. Like I'm so excited to see everyone also shitting my pants, terrified that we're going to mess something up, but <laughs> hasn't happened yet. So there not this year. Anyway. You've uh, said yet that it sounds like it, there, there's nothing that sounds like it can mess up. Like the only thing that I could think is just like, okay, well that didn't go the way that we expected it to, but like, God, seriously. Here's another fun thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah I also had a, like a psychologist do, that's a friend of the festival that had come a couple times say, Chris, I think you're imagining every time like a mistake happens or something like that, that your audience are like lighting torches and picking up pitchforks and look in your fucking crowd. There's a bunch of people that have your back that if you needed them to like hold two extension cords together while you ran and right. taped something down, they would do that. So that's another thing. The Discord has like allowed me to be really transparent with our fans about like 
like why every decision has been made, why every logistic is how it is. And like by communicating like how the sausage is made, now I have a bunch of people that know what we're up against in putting on an event this size and they have our back. Like so many people from our discord have filled out volunteer applications this year and you will see working with our team. And that's so rad to me. I, I don't understand how we earned their trust to the degree that we have it, you know? Well, again, it's because you're not just playing movies. You're giving them an experience. And and that comes through. Yeah. Like, and, and, and again, I tell you this every single year. It's not just the awesome movies that you play. It's, you know, so uh, I, I forget if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I know that you and I have talked about it. My very first year was uh, the year that you played The Wraith. And so yeah. I got to meet Clint yeah, Howard. With Clint. Yeah. yeah. And more than just getting to meet Clint Howard, which was awesome. But his um, the I forget if he was talking about this before the movie or the Q and A afterwards. No, it was the Q&A. It, was, it was after. Yeah, it was yeah the Q&A that, after. You, we we have talked about this, and because it, it's a moment that meant a lot to both of us, yeah. which is Clint's attitude, watching that audience laugh along with it, and being part of that. Uh, didn't feel judged. Completely got it, and completely embraced that crowd and the fun of that Q and A. And it was a blast to watch it. Yeah, exactly. And when someone in the Q and A asked, like, "Did you know that this was uh, going to be funny, or were you trying to make a comedy?" He was like. No, we were trying to make a serious movie. Yeah. This was trying to be like a serious, you know, supernatural, post-apocalyptic, you know, punk uh, horror movie. And we got where Charlie this. Sheen becomes a car. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. so. <laughs> but but and I like, love it. I'm not, you know, yeah. I programmed it, so I'm and, obviously not shit talking it. But and yeah. so his response of just like, but all of you were laughing through it, and you were enjoying it, <clears throat> and that's what matters. Like it doesn't matter if that's what we were trying to do. I got to sit yeah. in a theater full of people loving this thing that I was a part of. And that is what makes me happy. And and again, like that was one of the first moments of CFF for me. And that has just been so much a part of my experience with it that like that's of, awesome. That's a good tone setter for sure. Yeah. And so like, of course, people are going to love CFF, even if things, you know, fall through a little bit or even if things don't turn out exactly. <laughs> God, We're, don't let that happen this year. <laughs> no, let the kazoo concert happen. <laughs> Dear God, make the kazoo concert happen. <laughs> the kids will be so bummed if the kazoos fall through. Yeah, um, like yeah. the people are going to recognize that this is an experience, and movies are awesome. And 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 again, the podcast exists because of CFF uh, to talk about movies, but it's more than that. And and it's the love for uh, of cinema that again just permeates so much of it. I the so uh, watching the Wraith was so important to me uh, as as my CFF journey that uh, it's become one of the movies that every single time that I find it at, you know, a thrift store or a pawn shop, yeah. cheap enough because I buy way too many movies, so I can't justify buying it when it's too expensive. But anytime that I find it cheap enough, it's just like, well, yeah, I'm going to buy it again. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I got it's one that you just give to people who haven't seen it. I do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how many copies of trimmers are hanging out of my house right now? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we also bought like what could be described as an uncomfortably large number of copies of the movie, the disappointments room to give to people who don't take the costumes contest seriously on the opening night party to be like disappointments room. <laughs> just be like, <laughs> Oh my God. <clears throat> <laughs> love it phenomenal someone had to buy those from the dollar tree and if it wasn't us then it might have been sundance and mm-hmm. i can't have that on my watch so um it's fine 
Uh, so um, check your Dollar Trees again because I today yeah. found a. <laughs> We've started a national shortage oh, no, of no, Kate Beckin sales. Not, not just that. Uh, today I found a King Kong triple feature with King Kong versus Godzilla. I got Godzilla that same King Kong and, triple feature uh, the Kong other day. Revenge. Yeah, it's or, just no, like King I already Kong have yeah. King Kong meets Godzilla like on uh, versus Godzilla like in fifty other formats, but it was a triple feature, so it was like, oh fucking right, you know, like uh, this uh, one Yeah. <laughs> Very much worth my 60 cents. Uh, I agree. <laughs> exactly. So uh, you've you mentioned a few times that there are some themes that have been popping up. And that's sure. something that, uh, again, I've noticed this every single year, that there are themes that come through sometimes on purpose, like you're very much trying to curate a specific uh, type of fest. Other times, it's just... <laughs> That's what we got, and so that's what we went with. Yeah, uh, and and so like sometimes, and we just, just pretend when that happens. We're just like, yeah, you guys caught that? Great, fucking awesome. You guys are you're a smart crowd. You're a really Happy smart to take crowd credit for it. Yes. <laughs> sometimes there's just something in the water of of the filmmakers, and they're all making the same thing. And yeah. other times, you, like you're really trying to curate, and I, I assume it's a good mixture of both of them uh, because there, yeah, I, I so. there, there are at least three that I counted when I was looking through the features that have some <laughs> level of influencer or or social media thing. Was was that a theme that as you were watching it, you were just like, "Dear God, not more of these," or did uh, as you went through each of them, we're like, "Oh man." This this movie is getting at why influencers are a little ridiculous, you know. And I think we had I think bodies, 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 and Deadstream, which I like very, very much, had come out not long before we started programming this year. And yeah. then I think I think we might have talked about this a bit before the episode, but like I think we saw maybe a hundred or more movies where the main characters were influencers this year. And so the stuff that that made it you know, through the gauntlet of all those films that we watched are the things that I think managed to, you know, make that type of character a little less obnoxious than something like say dash cam, which it's like, yeah. you know, I really, I just saw the boogeyman and I really liked the host. So I've, I have some background in liking Rob Savage's movies, but I thought dash cam, like Annie Hardy, you, you, you can't, you know, cast a MAGA lady to be a MAGA lady yeah. and then let her MAGA all over every scene of your movie. And it just made it feel weird in ways that like, I wouldn't have necessarily programmed it for us. So it's like, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It seems but like that's yeah. kind of in the, it, it's in the air right now. I, I mean, with yeah. a, I saw like a video, literally right before we started recording this, there was like a, reel that popped up where it was like people talking about like insane TikTok trends where right. people fucking died. They're doing like Benadryl, like take a whole yeah. bunch of Benadryl challenges and fucking uh, Tide Pod burrito. Yeah. yeah, I mean like it's just like all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's like, yeah, I mean of course that's that I mean that feels like it's definitely kind of like the next wave of like horror influence. And, I mean, and, you know, one no example of how, how it's playing this year is a movie like The Haunting of Hype House, which is a lot of fun and a lot more comedic in its tone. But then there's a movie called Mind, Body, Spirit this year, which is about a yoga YouTuber. And it is legitimately a great, well-oiled, classic ghost story that just happens to have that type of character and happens to take place in that world. And it legitimately benefits from that type of subject matter because 
it has a reason to basically be a one woman show. She's filming her videos. It's there's, you know, it, it manages to make the logic of something that might be considered found footage. Uh, and I kind of think this movie, it, it kind of breaks those rules in a way that it knows it's doing. And I know you're not always the biggest found footage fan, Nathan, yeah. but there's a couple things this year that I'd be really curious to get your take on after you see them. That mind, body, spirit is one of them, which I think it's fair to call it yoga whore. That's how I've been calling. Uh, and I really love it. I think it's terrific. And it has a jump scare that like, I have seen so much stuff at this point that when a jump scare gets me at this point, I almost give a movie an extra few points in its score for that. Like, and you know, I don't know if you saw the movie, the night house, that great David Bruckner uh, film, but like the last one that really nailed me is there's a hill scene in that where these characters pop up and just they're in your face within seconds. And, uh, mind, body, spirit nailed me like that. And another great example is a movie called invoking yell, which is a Chilean black metal found footage horror film that plays like an homage to the nineties and like the OG Blair witch project. And it's just like, it, it, it's very slow burn in a way that not any, you know, found footage that I've seen manages, but it also like the OG Blair Witch. And I don't know how you feel about that movie, but to me, it builds dread very, very well. And uh, Invoking Yale does such a good job with it while being very specific about like taking place in this black metal world. And it's it's just such a strange movie. I love it a lot. Like it's the lay and found footage horror uh, at playing this year's <laughs> festival feels really good for year 10. Yeah, but both of those sound amazing. Oh. But I, so Eric, I know that you love found footage, so you were probably like, okay, I and I, I do just, too, Eric. I really do. I, I also I, feel like the the influencer culture just makes found footage movies so much less preposterous. Like, I, I guess the it absolutely does. Problem we, is just be, that oh, why would we? Why would people yeah. still be the camera? But it's like, oh no, it's so so totally believable in any context yeah. at this point. The answer to that now is because there's a filter that makes their face look like a cat and they can look like a cat for three <laughs> to six hours if they want How while broadcasting not- live to their 54 followers. You know, so... They do it. Yeah. They do it for the likes, for the views. How has yeah. there not been a found footage movie with a filter? Oh, my God. <laughs> maybe they just have a filter yeah. on the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That would be awesome. Um, and I don't know if you saw... Uh, you do so many great jump scares. Which, which with came that. out on Hulu, but uh, if you haven't seen that movie, I can't recommend it enough. And I think it kind of flew under people's radar. It's called Grim Cuddy, but it's about oh, yeah. a social media challenge trend that very much becomes a real-life boogeyman in a really interesting way. And I, it doesn't That's- it doesn't play out found footage, but it's really cool. And it does like a lot of like town you know caught up in hysteria shit that mm-hmm. kind of feels like it's even echoing something like you know orson wells legendary war of the worlds broadcast where a bunch of motherfuckers are just like well aliens are here yeah. better get my guns <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. it feels like Cuddy's like the momo movie was uh, yeah, like 100 percent. it is the yeah momo trying movie. to be it really is yeah my my thing with found footage is um typically there needs to be a reason for them to keep filming like for, right. for a lot of people, they can just separate yeah. that. Just like, okay, well, this is just what the movie is. And so I'm on board with that. For me, it's like, no, if this is supposed to be bringing me more into it, like, no, this is really happening, obviously. Right. It but like, if, if that's supposed to be the, the thing to bring me in, unless it works really, really well, that only makes the artifice like even more apparent for me. And so I completely get that. Yeah. And I think Blair yeah. Witch is like what 80% world building. Those guys built yeah. a mythology around that mm-hmm. to make it work and make it deeper. And when it's like Apollo, what is it, Apollo 10? The like there's a moon rock monster on the it's moon. Apollo it just 18, happened to be yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Apollo 18. Yeah. Uh you're right. Uh 
but like stuff like that, like Chernobyl diaries, where it's just like, I don't know, they're, they're really, they've stretched it. So when it's bad, it can be some of the worst that horror can be. And, but when it's good, I feel like we get things like wreck, you know, record is just filled with 10 to 12 moments that scared the living shit out of me that I would not, you know, trade that experience. Uh, I love it. Yeah, and I think that's just too many people are just like, oh, well, I can make a movie. I can make a horror movie. I can make a found footage horror movie. Right. No. Yeah, it's the epitome of the kind of like horror is the is the low budget way to, you know, jump in and make your, you know, make something quick and dirty and get your name out there to move on to a bigger and better project. And the found footage, it like amplifies that to another level because it's like, yeah, oh, you don't even have to really worry that much about composition or whatever. We right. Have- handy cam and you know run around the woods or something so yeah it's it's difficult to get it right you have to really put a lot of effort into making something like that look effortless yeah yep it's like i've talked about a number of times and i know dan and eric are sick of this where i compare movies to art or to to, to like you know uh like paintings or um or or hey man i I believe that so much, though, Nathan, that even the idea of trophies this year. So it's like it feels really weird to me on some level to like give awards to something as subjective as film. Right. Right. All of our mileage will vary on everything we see. So it felt like the only way to like handle giving awards to films responsibly was to give art to art. So what we do is we commission an artist to create the trophies. We do not give them any level of direction whatsoever. And whatever they shit out is what are our trophies. So we're giving art to art. And uh, Matt Dutton, the artist that's creating them again this year, I clearly didn't learn my lesson from the last time we worked with him. He made these like Cronenberg-esque fleshy dildo trophies. Do you remember that year? Yes, I do. No one can forget that year. Uh, So they, they ended up being so strange and so influential themselves that one of our filmmakers, Casey Malone, took his and went back home and made a short starring his award as this haunted, fleshy thing. And I just, I, I thought like, well, damn, what other festival can say that their shitty, weird take on awards has even influenced the making of another film now? So we must be on to something with this ridiculous idea. Like, Yeah, those those awards were so... Fleshy really was is the fun. only word to, uh, to describe it. Fleshy and, Flesh, um, and, fleshy. and hairy. But not like hairy, just like like little pokes of hair sticking out, like a yeah. When they when they showed me those for the first time, they asked to film my reaction, and I was like, "Well, there's no good reason you would have asked me to film my reaction when I opened the box." So, but I honestly, I, I was kind of delighted because it's like you know, I, I don't know. Apologies to everyone who had to fly with those in their suitcase or explain that to the TSA, but like it was really like it felt on brand even in year three, and it feels even more on brand in year ten. You know. It's amazing. Um, all right, so so a little bit ago, um, you mentioned uh, the haunting of Hype House, and uh-huh. uh, you asked if I could help out with some uh, pre-screeners this year, which they sure because I I had so much fun with that, and one of the ones that I loved. Loved, loved, loved was uh, Haunting of Five House. That movie, yeah, it's so much fun. Like it's a blast. Yeah, oh it, it really is. They're 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 sweethearts too. And I I just it's one of those things that uh, sometimes things get submitted to us and we don't have to go digging for them, and we just know that they're gonna be you know something that delights our audience. And and I'm really glad to have that one in the cut. And that's one of the other influencer joints we have this year. So yeah, <laughs> it is. And and the thing that's so great about it uh, is you know like. The, the influencer is playing an asshole and that's the point but everyone else around him is just like so 
innocently naively sweet like the cameraman where it's just like what are you doing just like i'm I'm holding the camera like there's just something about it that balances it out so well that i agree i had a blast carries that movie so much i love it i hats off to them for for allowing us to do that virtually too yeah so that they uh they were very sweet to let us play it the way that we're playing it i'm really happy to have it yeah and of of the few that i was able to see um that is one that (laughs) definitely gets my uh pre-fest like everyone needs to go see it oh i'm i'm really glad that's on your list yeah that's that's one i hope a bunch of people will check out uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm actually glad that it's playing virtual because that way i'm able to definitely watch it again rather than yeah. just like oh no i might not have enough time it's like no i'm watching that one again it, mm-hmm. it is so much fun uh but every year you've given me a all right nathan if you only watch one movie I know you're going to watch all of them, but if you only watch one, it has to be this one. <laughs> what is that movie this year? And it might not be the one that you recommend okay. to everyone. It might not be your favorite. There's like 12, truthfully. Uh, but I'll tell you, one. there are two things that we had on our radar early in their lives and fought hard uh, to, to be able to present the North American premieres of. And uh, they are a Lithuanian slasher movie that when I found it was called, or when we found it was called Pensive. Uh, and now it's called We Might Hurt Each Other. It got bought by our folks at Bloody, our friends at Bloody Disgusting, and they retitled it for for America because uh, that title, Pensive, was kind of a strange title for it. Uh, um, but that's a, just an absolute blast of like, obviously, revisionist slasher films are a dime a dozen. They've happened all the time. And I think really good ones are, are unicorns. And this one is really terrific and a hell of a lot of fun. And also, I can't tell you why, but if you're a Creepshow 2 fan at all, this movie is going to scratch a very weird and specific itch for you. Uh, but the other one, I guess, are, are you, I think you guys are all like I am fans of, of Panos Cosmatos, who's made, you know, Mandy and, and uh, you know, Beyond the Black Rainbow. We have a, a Japanese ghost story this year called New Religion that is just an atmospheric, just mindfuck of a motion picture. And I just it's one that I selfishly hope a lot of people will, will take a chance on. And I know there's not much context for them because it's never played in the U.S. before. But I'm super happy that we get to be, you know, the the, the first sharers of it. Uh, and I'm also happy that it's found a home with Screenbox because that means out of the gate, any word of mouth that builds around it for this festival will help more people discover that movie. And it's not going to be inaccessible to them. Like, it's like, you know, you saw some things that played last year, like Timekeepers of Eternity that still haven't gotten a substantial release anywhere. And we never know what that's going to happen with. And this is a movie that's, it's very bizarre. And I'm glad that someone found it that loves it and gets it because it's a really cool piece of work so that that's definitely those two i would i would put on your radar i I know i mentioned summoning the spirit as well that's another one i'd I'd really definitely put on your radar that's the bigfoot cult movie uh and i can't say how much those two concepts dovetail without blowing something very special for you but it's it's really really cool also sour party if you didn't see it and it's it's really fucking great i the directions the couple that made it they're amanda who one of the directors also stars in it and they wrote it it's just it's one of my favorite comedies we've ever gotten to share and again we're we're known a lot for horror we're we're always been considered a genre festival that to me is a tag that's been slapped upon us because 
you know, everything that isn't drama, everything that, you know, land, lands in the, the territory of escapism that seems to have like a genre tag put on it. So at first it was like, it seemed like we were kind of being branded with, with a, you know, something that didn't necessarily feel right. Now it absolutely feels right. But there's also the opportunity this year to share things like romantic comedies, which isn't something that we always get to do. And one of the most charming I've seen in ages is playing this year. And it's called Molly and Max in the future. And if you have at all a soft spot for rom-coms and I really, Really, really do it's excellent it's so great I, I can't recommend it enough as well i have added all of those to my list yeah, uh, cool cool yeah and there's 51 features alone this year and there's way more shorts like we did a thing in the shorts uh territory this year we created a whole new block because in the virtual era we started to see a trend toward longer short films which is you know it's interesting that i've trended down on the length of my features and i've kind of trended up on the links of some of my short films but we created a block called fun size epics mm -hmm. and what it, the whole idea was that these are movies that are in 18 minutes world building and doing things that some features can't pull off mm -hmm. and you know there's some just really insane voices like we have indigenous native american filmmakers we have a film from a called twin turbo that's just nuts but it, it's 30 minutes long and that's a very tough length when you're trying to program a two-hour block to fit into a time slot on the ground so yeah. that's one more area that virtual gave me some freedom that kind of like unshackled me because you know you pay i think it's 10 or 15 dollars for the ticket for that block you're getting five and a half hours of movies like i feel like people are getting bang for their buck this year. And I, I love that that block gets to be as, as, I guess we'll use the word robust as it is. It's a, it's a big boy, but it's filled with bangers. So I just, I, I love that also the nature of the virtual festival game has allowed people to approach shorts like a la carte, like palate cleansers, you know, like people are like, ah, I just watched a feature. I'll just, you know, cram a couple of short films in between it. And that's not something you can do when they're all arranged in blocks. So, you know, as, as a result, uh, you know, more short filmmakers are getting their work seen, reviewed and logged on sites like Letterboxd than I think is ordinarily the case out of festivals. And that means a lot too. I think festivals forget that short filmmakers are the exact same people that are going to go out and make amazing features next and forget to love on them early in the process. And that's also why there's like a student block this year or a local filmmaking block. And it's like, you've seen people who are like our friends, like Corey Simpson, who's, uh, you know, very active in the discord. Corey's got a film that he produced in this year. And uh, we have a lady named Kristen Noriega that was in our pitch competition two years ago, pitching the film that she's back at the festival having made now. Nice. So it's like, it's been really cool to like be part of their world in, in different parts of the process and have them, you know, be part of our family for years and years. Another great example is Izzy Lee, who's back this year with like a 60 second micro short after like warming everyone's hearts with meat friend last year. So it's just they they're part of our like extended CFF family. Like Izzy's like hosted events for us and and been part of the team. So it's just it, it's like finding this weird extended family of, of weirdos that have all like, you know, the Jeremy Gardner's and the Christian Stella's of the world that have just you know, some, for some reason, they've never turned their backs on us. Same can be said for Benson and Moorhead. You know, it's like those guys are out, you know, 
they just directed a bunch of Loki season two, but that didn't mean that Aaron didn't take time out of his schedule to do, uh, he had worked with Andrew Adams, the filmmaker of a really terrific movie we're premiering this year called American Meltdown and like major hat off to, to Andrew. He also completely got the vibe of the festival and let us world premiere his fucking movie on virtual, which is, you know, bless him for doing that. But Aaron Moorhead's doing his Q and a for him that, you know, they had worked on sets together when Andrew was younger and it meant a lot to him. And, you know, when he heard that it would mean a lot to Andrew, the filmmaker, Aaron signed up right away as busy as he is. So it's like, I love the, the, the people like yourselves that have like kind of become part of our, our team over the years. It's crazy, man. It feels like Voltron. It's fucking awesome. You know, like, uh, Dude, l- let me just tell you about Meat Friend uh, and the impact <laughs> that ha- that has had on me. Let's talk last Meat year. Friend. Izzy will love this. I, so, I have yes. two children. And oh, wow. you don't know how frequently I say, hello, children. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's meat friend being forever embedded in your soul, which is the appropriate reaction to seeing meat friend. I think we can all agree. Uh, yeah, yep, yeah. If if you have kids uh, and watch meat friend, you're never gonna say hello to your children the same way. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and, as you were listing off all of the uh, or, or a bunch of the shorts, there's one uh-huh. that I need to know a little bit more about. Yeah, lay it on me, friends. Francisco, don't Lacerda. let Kyle. I don't know. It's Francisco Lacerda. Oh, Francisco Lacerda's new film. Oh man, what, what, he is. I. They call it Red Cemetery. Yeah. Has he brought this time? Because uh, the last two shorts that he's made that I've seen, one of them was the um, I forget the name of it, but it was about a wedding photographer that um, <laughs> that the wedding oh, quite yeah. literally went to hell, d- descends into madness yes. uh, demonically. And, uh, and the, the, Francisco is, is such a wild man that it's just, it's like, you know, you see, there's another Brian Lenano short this year too. These are two guys that it's just, or two folks that it's been, you know, a joy to continually lay their latest craziness on our audiences. Another name on that list is Chris McEnroy, who's been, you know, he, he did We Summoned a Demon, he did Death Metal. Yes. Uh, he, he's, yeah, he's back this time with We Forgot About the Zombies. And it's just, oh my that God. guy has such a very specific voice that just really does it for me. I think he's like the most hilarious, most wonderful human. So I just I love that their stuff is back this year. Oh I th- the God. title I thought you were going to say to me is a short film that if you if you ask for the Dorch recommendation and you want one from Short Town too, uh, watch a short film and this title will delight you as it delighted me right out of the gate. Don't let Kyle sit down. <laughs> it's really good, and you'll understand why they don't want Kyle to sit down pretty quickly into its running time and it's just uh, absolutely absurd and delightful in all the right ways and also if you saw high horse last year there's a film called finn that i won't even blow any bit of it for you but it's a fucking blast it is so fun oh my god i yeah, i was sold Finn just based on the uh the little thumbnail you have on the website it's so great they're so just hilarious. looking at that yeah. I loved High Horse so much last year, and I know Clementine did too, who's come on to like really help me spearhead shorts. This feels like one of our wildest and most cohesive short platforms too. Like there's so much good stuff this year. Like it really feels like a great compliment to the features this year. And, and I mean, it always does, but like this year it feels like there's some things that fit. Like for example, we're showing the King on screen documentary about the history of Stephen King adaptations into film. And we had a filmmaker from Tennessee make an unbelievable Stephen King short film adaptation. And it was like, well, holy shit, these two things are playing the same year. And look, we meant to do it this time, guys. <laughs> so yeah, that's the, all that you love uh, be carried away, right? 
Exactly. Uh, yeah, which is that's a great my story. favorite Stephen such King a good story. story. It's my he favorite nails one. It. It's he so really good. does an awesome job. It's it's super cool. And that's in our regional block. So it's like that guy's in our backyard. We've got to celebrate this dude. So I yeah. Um, Nathan, by the way, the the Francisco Lacerda movie you're thinking of was is they call it Red Cemetery. Oh yeah, or yeah, the new one is uh, yeah, oh, but the new uh, one's Red Cemetery. Sorry, I thought you meant the new one. Freelancer, and then there was Karaoke Night. Yes, yeah, uh, Freelancer and Karaoke Night. Freelancer. Wild, wild stuff. Really yeah. great. Francisco is incredible. Man, so so those God, both of the we we need to talk about both of these shorts because it's been too long since we've talked about them. In the same way that I absolutely adore. Door Anthony Cousins and the way that he treats body horror and like yeah. I will endlessly recommend um, when Cesar stirs. Francisco's movies they are um, to put it kindly, dude. What the fuck? And they they not go, not necessarily ones you're gonna re- recommend to everyone. <laughs> I mean, I do, but you know, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, I've learned that content warnings are important for this very reason. Uh, uh, but no, I, yeah, I, Francisco is just such a, there's very few filmmakers that I feel like feel dangerous, you know, like, I don't know where yeah. this person's going to take me. And Francisco is one of those, those voices. I, I, I'm so happy to have the new one. And the new one is like, again, a mini epic, like so, so cool. So much happens in that movie. You feel like you watch a Sergio Leone movie by the end. It's, it's really cool. Oh my God. I, and, and the thing that I love so much about them as dangerous as they are and as fucked up as they are. Crowd pleasers. Well, Strangely, also crowd pleasers. Not only like, crowd pleasers. Yeah. They've, I've, I've, and maybe it's just because I watch too many fucked up movies, but I've never gotten the sense of just like, oh, you're trying to offend. Like they, they feel like no, there is a right. Of, they, they lack a, a mean spiritedness that exactly. it's like you know. I don't know how you guys felt about like Terrifier two, which is not my cup of tea, admittedly. Uh, and I know a lot of people love it, too. but it's just not. It's not. It's it goes just a little too black hearted for what I'm trying to do with my particular thing and there's a reason why you know i kind of avoid things of that nature and francisco yeah. has a really fun time dancing on the on boundaries <laughs> like in a, in a good way i think yeah god I, i'm so glad that you include the shorts um they, yeah they, all of the movies stick with me but in the same way that uh the way that i've been saying hello children to my children um, yeah, I will just catchphrases really, are important. Catchphrases are important. <laughs> so are snappy songs. I will catch myself just walking through the store and just start singing to myself. We summoned a demon. Oh my god! <laughs> he, did he wrote there. a theme song called "We S to D"? For God's sake, that man's a genius. Like, like, let us all, <laughs> let us all salute Chris McEnroy. I, I hope he hears this and he knows how much I love him. Uh, oh God! I'm so, I'm so, so happy. Good. Oh, I'm so happy that I don't know what to ask next. Dan, you've not had chance, much of a chance to talk because I have just been rambling like crazy over here. Let's move back like three minutes to uh, to, to the king uh, because, you know, as, as anyone who listens to us knows, you are up in Maine and therefore our resident king resident. Yeah, man. Expert. So You're in the backyard. Yeah. Hey, I, I or, the, or the front yard. I'm bad at geography. Uh, I should note that. Um <laughs> No, I, I legit live three blocks away from him for about 15 years. So. That's so bananas. I would not be able to stay at that distance. I would just be like, well, I'm just going to go stand in his yard. It won't be weird. Like, well, court, <laughs> court orders help that. Um, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. 
No, uh, I actually I had, of course, King on screen on on there as my list. I'm actually very stoked that out of the five that I have listed that I have to see, you've mentioned two of them in invoking you awesome. know, uh, new religion. So I'm very very happy with that. Awesome. Uh, one of the things I kind of wanted to mention because I've only I've only done it virtually, obviously. Sure. I'm, I'm way way the hell up here. And and then when the year I think about going, John Waters decides he wants to do a thing up here. Yeah, so. I get it. Yeah, yeah, tough choices. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed over the last two two years that I've, I've I've been basically watching this film, the film fest virtually, was how how cool it is when certain films catch on somewhere within a few months. You're so like, right, man. When, it pop, is when a something example. pops up, like when yeah. uh, Candisha pops up on Shutter, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you know, it gives you that kind of sense of I saw that a couple months ago. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's nice I'm to have cool. like festival bragging rights. It's, it feels yeah, cool, and you know, yeah, and everything. I've noticed there's been a lot of of talk on Twitter about uh, we're all going to the World's Fair. Well, absolutely, on, yeah. It's on fucking HBO of all places. Now. You know, we knew that it was going to HBO. That's part of the reason we had to kind of battle for it when it played is they had yeah. bought it at that point. But we also knew that they weren't going to do anything with it for like over yeah. a year, which they yeah, did. They, they took uh, their sweet time putting it yeah. on. Yeah, they did. And that's not fair to Jane, that filmmaker, I don't feel like. And I know Jane was very happy to probably have that mm -hmm. film play on HBO Max or Max now. I'm yeah. sorry. I should have called it Max. Uh, <laughs> I'm but calling like, HBO. I, yeah, HBO I just for life. HBO. <laughs> it will always be HBO. Yeah, uh, it's not Max. It's HBO. Yeah, exactly. There's the T-shirts that we're gonna make and all wear on closing night now. But uh, yeah, it a hundred percent. That that was something that you 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 list a, a good example of something that we knew right away. Hmm. That even if even for the the people that pre-screened it or even the other folks that I asked for their opinions on things, everyone saw something special in it to a person. Even if it wasn't necessarily something that they vibed with through and through, they could see where other people would. And Jane was somebody a few years ago when we were still doing Frightening Ass Film Festival before I decided I wanted to sleep in October. Uh, we uh, we got to do a thing called the, the Eye Slicer, which was a really mm -hmm. cool Halloween special put together by a group of indie filmmakers. And Jane had a short film in it. So that was something where we had screened a short. I thought that person's voice was incredible. And when the feature, you know, became a thing, we knew we needed it. We we fought for it, and thankfully, it got to happen. And I know Jane is a big reason why it did. So I, I love yeah, that. And that was was that a secret screening? That's that's it, it actually wasn't, but but it was a it time okay. screening. So oh, that's what I'm thinking you know, of. Okay, that's part of how like. Since there are films that we have restrictions on, the, the thought was like, how do you create the idea of like appointment television during a festival where you've made essentially everything available a la carte? And it also gave us a natural excuse to get everybody together for something. So it's like, yeah. even if you guys are going to isolate all day and watch like 10 things in a row, at, at 10 o'clock every night of the festival this year, for example, those watch parties happen every day. And w because people would like tend to roll right into immediately another watch party and organize their own this year, you'll notice that there are a lot of double features happening, like something like, you know, Bigfoot Trap is happening with Summing the Spirit. You know, uh, American Meltdown gets to have a full on discussion of, of it, which it deserves. And I think you're going to love that movie. That's another one to, to put on your radar. But uh, uh, it uh, I really like that. 
there gets to be an audience participation element. And at first I thought, God, this, this could seem really obnoxious, this watch party thing. Like if people just commenting every 10 seconds during a movie and it's like fucking VH1 pop-up video <laughs> for those of us that are trying to concentrate on the movie, it'll take us out of it. But it didn't end up that way after a couple of years of experimenting with it. So it's it definitely the watch party thing is continuing and, and I'm glad that it is. Yeah. Has, has there any ever been anything that you're, in the past few years that you're surprised hasn't caught on like there, for there's you're like why is this film still not picked there's up? always a few things like we mentioned timekeepers of eternity last year i think even it's just a curiosity to stephen king fans mm-hmm. or those of us who have memories of the langoliers and it's dodgy cgi in our heads hey, like that it's something not that that watchable version of the langoliers ever made i, 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 I agree uh, and, and, but uh, it's, you know, there, there's things every year that I'm really surprised. And then there's also things like I was delighted when Landlocked, which played last year, got a, got a distribution deal and more people got to see that movie. Because it was like that guy's using his own home movies to world build and tell this mm-hmm. bizarre story. And I just thought that was so unique that I was really glad. But th- there's things that like even this year, uh, we had something happen the last couple of years that haven't ever happened to us before, which is because we have so much undistributed films now, we're having the very same distributors that we worked with in the past reach out to us now and ask to see things. So it's like we've had a lot more responsibility thrust on us in that regard because I don't feel like some film's relationship with us ends the moment the festival's over. I feel like I've got a responsibility to champion this thing. And so I'm grateful that we've been able to place as many things in homes as we have. And we're already working on trying to help a few you know, films find their forever homes this year. But it's also not just us finding any distributor that offers. It's us finding people that we think will get the movie and get behind it in the right way. And I won't say what until we stop recording, but there's a few things that have been acquired in the past that I, I feel like they didn't give it the fanfare it deserved and it didn't get to go as far as I think it maybe should have gone. So it's like, I definitely feel that's why we, uh, I think you'll notice on the discord, we created a release and distribution channel. Mm-hmm. So it, it wouldn't just be like the moment we found out something was popping up on shutter or getting an official release, we could share that and start to create that word of mouth for those films. And that's something that continues this year too. You know, something that I hadn't actually really thought about uh, until listening to um, uh, you and Dan talk about this and, and it ties in with some of that respect to cinema it's more than just like, hey, I saw that a few months ago. You know, I'm one of the cool kids. I saw it before you did. Sure, it's so yeah. much more than that. It's like the the people who have seen these films, when the when the movies that they love succeed and get picked up, it's almost like watching, you know, like a little cousin get picked for their uh, little league team. It's like, hey, good for them. Yeah, not it really is the closest that I'll ever come to like being excited in a sportsman, like <laughs> like a sports yeah, kind of. I, I'm right there with you, and I've got a sports journalist for a father who, you know, I've just been disappointing <laughs> for 40 years now. Uh, and and I'm, I don't say that as like a oh they're like little kids, but like a like you're proud of them. Um, oh, right, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. believe me, they, I, like they do feel like my children. They yeah, absolutely do. Drafted. There are hundreds of movies that we have relationships with that, that many that have extended years now. It's like when I think about Benson and Moorhead, for example, you know, we yeah. got to show, you know, uh, their very, very first work when we were still in pop up mode. They trusted us to do that 
early on. So like Resolution got to screen and they've been with us through every movie they've made. And so last year, you know, getting to do that something in a dirt secret screening right after Sundance, basically, you know, because it didn't play any other American fest until later that year when Fantastic Fest picked it up. And even that, that was to like, you know, usher in its digital release, which was only a couple of months later. So I, I just, it feels really cool to be part of, uh, you know, the process of these things. Or like, what I really love is when a trailer comes out for something and I see our laurels are in it, that they've yeah. cared enough about their time uh, yeah. with us here that they've put that official selection laurel or something like that means the world to me. And that like, I can't even explain what that does to my ADHD body as like a, on a dopamine dispenser level. I'm like, it makes me be like, all these movies are my children. We must find them homes, you know, like, so I, I really, we take it serious or we try to anyway. When, when Dan, uh, when you mentioned we're all going to the world's fear, uh, related to that one, um, giving birth to a butterfly, like that one just got picked up a few Man, months ago. It and sure like, did. Like, yeah. Like it's now on VOD. It. it just recently got its VOD release finally. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that was exciting. Yeah, and like, yeah, I loved that movie so much that it wasn't just kind of like, oh, hey, I really like this movie. I'll be able to watch it again. It was like, oh, good for them. Like, I, I was legitimately happy for the filmmakers and for the film. Totally. And and there's so many other movies uh, throughout the years that, that I still have that connection with. That, like, it just it makes me happy and it takes me back to CFF. Some of them because, like, the movie itself is just so heartwarming. Um, you know, like when you were talking about how much of a genre fest CFF is, and it is, and I love it for that. And I'm so happy for that because, you know, I, I feel like y'all champion the the movies that need the championing. You know, like the the films that are going to be playing in 20 other film fests, they're going to be seen. I, I love that CFF. Yeah, it's like no offense, but we could have all had the IFC Midnight Starter Pack at our festivals this year if we wanted it. And it would have been a turnkey, easy way to put five more movies on our lineup. But it also would have meant that those weren't personal choices, every one of those choices. And no offense to the film festivals and the programmers that took it, because those filmmakers deserved, you know, the all the exposure that they got. It just I'd rather challenge ourselves to find something that, you know, it may not have that same trajectory or it may not have had the opportunity to get that trajectory in the first place. So mm -hmm. it, it uh, I really appreciate you for, for noticing that, that that's something that's a big deal to us. Yeah. I, I, I love that you champion all, all films. Um, and even with as much uh, horror and genre programming as there is, even the sweet movies that, uh, that you program never feel out of place. Like, um, man, there's a great it? one this year that I'm glad you, you said this because let me put the third on your radar as well. Like, I think I th we've talked about this to some extent before, I think, but like, I'm a sucker for a great, I guess you would call it a hangout movie. Yeah. Like think dazed mm. and confused. You're um, just, you're hanging out with these characters. They're not doing much, but you love them so much that whatever they're doing is enough. And there's this movie this year that is straight up shot down the road in Nashville, a hangout movie. And, you know, they're stealing all the shots. They're in the Parthenon. They're in places that I know they probably couldn't have afforded the permits to shoot in. But they did this great Fourth of July weekend. I guess you could consider it like a relationship comedy drama, but it's just awesome. And like, you know, there's like a scene where they like take mushrooms on the Fourth of July and like shoot off firework. It's just like such a joyous celebration of these just, you know, three characters that it just... Even though it's, you know, what, what some people might call like a small narrative or a little movie, it's, it's perfect and it's not out of place here. And it, it doesn't, it, you know, it fits that mold, even though some people like it's been a delight to watch the filmmakers of Sour Party who made a comedy watch the horror audience of this festival embrace their comedy and be just as excited about it. So it's like to watch them celebrating that they're getting like more press in Fangoria than perhaps they wouldn't have got <laughs> otherwise. Like it's been a real delight. And 
God, I, the thanks to the Fangoria people for, you know, bothering to talk about everything that we're showing and not just, you know, the horror films. So. What, what's what, what's the name of the uh, the one that was shot in Nashville? I don't think you said. Oh, I'm sorry. I, it's called The Third. Yeah, uh, uh, it just The Third, like like second, third, fourth, right. fifth. Uh, it's really, really good. Manuel Lagos, the filmmaker who made it, is awesome. I, I can't wait for people to discover that. I think it's, it, you mentioned giving birth to a butterfly. That's a good touchstone for for kind of the vibe, uh, for sure. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check that one out. Uh, one from a few years ago. Uh, what was it? It changed names after it screened. It yeah, that was, happens a bunch. But when, but when I licensed the movie that's now called The Black Coat's Daughter from A24 years back, yeah. it was called February when I licensed it. And when the print showed up, we were like, did they send us the wrong fucking movie? What the hell is The Black Coat's Daughter? Uh, so that probably a better name for it. Um, but yeah. uh, it, it was... Okay, it was either Honey Buddies and then it was changed to Buddy Moon, or it was Buddy Moon. Yeah, that Buddy it Moon. To that, it Honey was Honey Buddies. Buddies when we had it because it had played at Slam Dunks first, and we fell in love with it there. And now it's Buddy Moon. Uh, I'm glad you remember that movie. That movie's a fucking blast, man. It's, and I don't know if you so watched sweet. the uh, the. Uh, it's like a Pitch Perfect spinoff show that Adam Devine had on Peacock. This is very specific, but it's called Bumper in Berlin. But Flula Borg, one of the two leads of Buddy Moon, is like his manager on that show, and it's like 100 worth the price of admission because you get to see that guy be wacky again like he was in in what was called honey buddies when i programmed it uh man flula borg's been doing pretty good he's in like yeah he's all over the place suicide squad or the suicide squad yeah kicking ass he's been he's like one of the best guests on the king cast oh he's fucking great on that show yeah so great he's he's he is uh he is something i love him uh, all right. Um, I probably have more questions, but I've also hit that point where it's just kind of like, I no, just you're want good, to like, man. talk about the movies <laughs> and like, hey, remember this one? That one was awesome. So uh, no, th- I appreciate that. That's that's <laughs> literally the reason I'm still doing this. So. <laughs> Eric, Dan, do either of you have any more coherent questions uh, that, you know, are not just me rambling about movies that I love? I feel like I've touched on pretty much everything. Yeah. I'm just excited. I'm ready to ready to get it going. Yeah, me too, man. I swear. No wait. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, it's it's like Christmas morning energy. syndrome, you know, where it's like you yeah. can't go to sleep because you know your presence might be waiting downstairs, and it just feels like that. Like, uh, or like you know, if you've ever been to Las Vegas, like trying to sleep in a hotel room while you know that city is just breathing around you. Like, uh-huh. it, it feels like it's it's creeping up, and it feels more alive this year than it than it really had. Like it's really cool to see the number of people that are going to be celebrating year 10 with us. It's bonkers. Uh, so I, uh, I, I feel like we're kind of batting down the hatches and being like the storm is coming, you know, like, <laughs> so I, I think maybe a better example, um, or not better, but just one that, uh, that resonates with me a little bit more because you keep referring to CFF as a summer camp, you know, like it's, it's it, it, summer camp for cinephiles is like when you see the intro that plays before every movie this year, it's uh, celebrating 10 years of summer camp for cinephiles. Like it feels like it's, it started to feel like the discord was like our bunks and we were all staying up just a little later than our counselors liked kind <laughs> no. of a thing. And like, that was like one of the many other concepts that I felt fully like we should lean into this year. Yeah. yeah. All, all of this prep feels like what hot American summer, uh, 10 years later. Yeah. hundred percent. And I'm all right <laughs> throwing a fucking fit because I had to throw something all the way away in the trash can. So, uh, yeah. Or being like, do you guys want to come to a super secret pizza party? And we just throw you out of a van somewhere in, in Chattanooga. Uh, 
There, there needs to be the uh, um, the official CFF super secret handshake, where it's just the shake that they do from the first one. Oh, a hundred percent. I can't like one of those scenes. There's like two scenes in that movie that are just stamped upon my soul. The first is the Camp Tiger Claw scene, where they're like, "All right, guys, we've trained all summer for the big game against Camp <laughs> Tiger Claw." And then like, the, like, what do you kids think? And they're like, "I don't know. We think it's kind of trite." And then like, the Camp Tiger Claw bus pulls up, and he's like. I guess I'll talk to their coach about it. And then like, you, you hear him off camera just being like, yeah, the kids are talking about it. They think it's kind of trite. Nobody's hearts are in it. Because like, yeah. And then like, he just gets back in the bus and Camp Tiger Claw leaves. And he's like, coach comes back and he's like, they were totally cool with it. So love so that funny. shit. And then also the river rescue that we never see on camera. Yes, the like, river he's doing it. He's really doing, doing it. it. <laughs> That's exactly oh, what I was that. thinking was the river rescue. Oh, it's so great. So oh, loaded with great stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I, I, I think that I'm out of questions. No, that's okay. I truly, yeah. Some of it, I, I'm glad to like have the opportunity to surprise you with some of the stuff we haven't talked about too. So that's good. Uh, yeah. We want to keep, we want to keep some of it under wraps. We've got to, yeah, there's, there's some goofy stuff. We can get a, we can get a couple yeah. peeks at some I, Christmas presents I, early, I really, but, uh, I will give you one little more tip on the red eye screenings that happen every night though. And that's that our challenge with the secret screenings this year, and there's nothing new. So there's not like a something in the dirt this year. It's a very much like classic bangers that way more people should know about that aren't on vinegar syndrome, aren't on Netflix, aren't on Amazon prime. You're not going to find these movies are not on, you know, any in print format. So it's like, even though they they unlock every night at midnight, they do stay available through the rest of the festival. So if you don't watch it right awesome. then, it's not like it gets snatched out of your hands. But we really tried to challenge ourselves with what we chose this year to both theme it according to the to the rest of the fest, but also find stuff that's just like, how the hell are you going to find this if you don't watch it here? And especially that uh, that perhaps eighth screening that may or may not be happening that I alluded to earlier that is something that it's just like, if you don't watch it, good fucking luck. Good. I hope you can see it again. Truly. You, you, you uh, mean that so. eighth screening triple feature? Oh, the, the hypothetical, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. perhaps happening or perhaps not happening on the bonus day triple feature. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, <laughs> Man. <laughs> I, I need it to be three weeks from now. Right now. Yep. Yeah. All right. If, if we had time travel, though, I want to like fix all the stuff I fucked up in the past ones. So you just, you just let me know on that. Okay. <laughs> so, I misspelled somebody's DP's name or something, you know, uh, well, it's, all the, it's all the little things like that. That would bother me. That would be like, you, if I would just be hung on for, well, it's like the, the metaphor I always use is like, you know, when you come up with your own contest and it's like a sweepstakes or something, you don't just have to like, say you win this. You have to come up with all the rules and regulations too, because right. someone on the internet will write you and be like, what if I'm in Chicago and I've got only a, a bear for a best friend? What about that? And you're like, well, <laughs> what the fuck? I, I didn't consider that. Uh, so you, you, you know, it, you have to write all the rules along with the little universe that you build. And that's the crazy part. Or like knowing if I'm, make a typo 20 people on the internet will tell me the fucking second they see it because people love to correct typos uh -huh. uh, which is both like i want to get stuff right so i'm glad but once i get to the 18th person that's told me i just feel real stupid so <laughs> that kind of stuff that, that's when uh in your reply you just start making your replies worse and worse and worse not mean 
but just oh, you like know what I have? This is I, uh, here's some here's some sausage uh, making for you. I have a word document that has frequently uh, frequently answered like offered replies. It's it's the FOR document, uh, which is like uh, uh, if someone says something to me, I'll be like, oh man, good catch, and make them feel like they're the first just to make them happy. <laughs> so it's like now that person's delighted. They know that they helped out, but really the first guy and not the nineteenth is the one who caught that air. Yeah. <laughs> you you should add that in. Just great catch. You're definitely not the thirtieth person to tell me this. Oh, that then it feels like sarcasm, and they're like, "I'm sorry, I just wanted you to know so it would be better." <laughs> and then I feel shitty, and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, come yeah. on, buddy, it's not like that." So <laughs> I've just learned to avoid sarcasm altogether. Uh, that's that's probably for the better. Um, all right. So, <laughs> just don't, you know, you're not going to number the emails. <laughs> no, no. Be like, dear typo corrector number 222. <laughs> you are the smartest. I can't spell convenient. I see that you remembered I before you except after C. You are a genius. You know, just, just start using AI to write those emails for you. Oh, there you go. Chat GPT. AI is the only thing that could possibly make our film descriptions any less coherent or barely <laughs> literate than the shit that I write. Uh, I think I've used the word awesome approximately 57,000 times. I have said that things will melt your face every year for 10 straight years and no one's called me out for using the same terms uh but it's true i believe they will so you know i i mean some of them some of them definitely melt my eyeballs so, I, something gets melty for sure yeah so hopefully. you do you feed it a chat gpt and they'll be like this will melt your awesome yeah. yeah it's just like sky balls you're like what sky balls oh my god if if it weren't for the fact that you know fuck ai um, I'm really curious what AI would say the name of the movie is based off of your description. Like if, oh if the descriptions God. for yeah. all those are like Trimus like, 2 aftershocks. Yeah. Like last year when <laughs> I, all, they're always the, la, uh, the, the, the memory I'll always cherish from any CFF is when we challenged a bunch of people to guess our secret screening and multiple random people just started to guess movies in the Trimmers <laughs> franchise. And I still can't corroborate <laughs> whether or not those people were like working together <laughs> and like coordinated that effort, or if there was just some guy in like Vermont being like uh Krimmers 2 aftershocks you know like kind of a thing not sure <laughs> oh god it's incredible so <laughs> in case anyone is uh you know at this point almost two hours into this episode yeah no, no one's still listening to me ramble i'm sorry guys <laughs> in, in case they have you know, you down. no idea where <laughs> to find anything about cff which is ridiculous because the only people listening would be the people who are probably already stoked about cff where can they go to find more information to buy uh, what little remaining tickets are available? Um, you know, all, all of the promotional stuff that we probably should yeah, have done. I, at the I, I'm glad you said the little thing or the, how, how many little are left. We have like 20 hybrid badges left right now. So that's something that we know they're going to get gone. And just I'd rather them people that have been with us for years and trying to make sure that people know. Uh, but we did everything that's playing on the ground. We were able to fight to make individual tickets available for all that stuff too. So if somebody can only afford to see one or two things, that's, that's available a la carte, but all that info. And now the schedule, at least for the in-person days is up on chatfilmfest.org. And we're actually on track to get that virtual schedule out early this year, along with the single tickets there. So people have a lot more runway to, to make 
informed decisions and uh, and kind of roll with that. But everything is super limited on the individual tickets this year too, because we kind of base the number that we have left to sell because we don't want to oversell a room and not guarantee a person a seat to a movie that they've paid for. Right. Uh, so that those are very, very limited too. So almost everything, there's about 20 tickets left too right now. So we're trying to to kind of let people know that, that, that those came out and that's all at chatfilmfest.org, including the full lineup now. So you can kind of... <laughs> Uh, get a guide of what's virtual, what isn't, what's going to be limited, and uh, and what won't. So get on over to chatfilmfest.org and get those tickets now. And tell them... Now-ish. That, yes, now. Right now. Stop what you're now-ish. doing. Now-ish. Yeah. Go immediately uh, and be sure to tell them that Video Monster sent you. Um, Please do. Uh, in fact, uh, like uh, if anybody tells us Video Monster sent them, I'll give you a couple bucks off a ticket. So how about that? Uh Look there at that. Go. It's promo codes, guys. I just haven't created it yet. That's another thing you have to do. When you say you're going to create a promo code, you have to create a promo code. So, uh, you have to actually create the I'm promo writing, code. Writing, it, writing out the description now. Promo code. <laughs> yeah. Note to self. Make it promo something code. stupid. Fill in blank later. <laughs> yep. Yes, that's it. Fill in the blank later. And that will be the promo code. So if you use the promo code, fill in the blank later, you will, you will get it just <laughs> I'm not even I'll do it right now. Like as soon as we hang up, I'll make it. <laughs> so. uh, oh my god, ridiculous! Um, yep, hundred percent. Ten years of it. Yeah, and I, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, yeah. Chris, is there anywhere else that you want people to follow you? I know that you are social media um, uh, non-existent because I just believe it breaks my brain. It's yeah. some people can use it and and traffic in those dark territories and be good, but you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, or I think even Facebook still. I'm not sure if we're in the Zuckerscape still, uh, but uh, I'll have to ask Bex that question. But I know we're at Chat Film Fest on the rest. Uh, we're even on Blue Sky. Somebody sent us an invite to Blue Sky, so we get to be like one of the very first film festivals on that strange new platform. Uh, and Satan's already following us, so we're clearly up to good things there. So <laughs> okay, it's great. Yeah, it was like right away. Satan was like the, one of the first people that said hi, and I was like, oh shit, is this really you? I love, I love that <laughs> you, Satan You left Twitter too? Even you Very early on. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Dan, um, where do you want Satan to follow you? Uh, <laughs> you can find me over at on Twitter at HBO to front row. Eric. Yeah, HBO to front row, not Max to front row. Yeah, you're not going to change it to Max to front yeah. row, are you? <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. Stay gold, pony boy. Yeah, like, please. Yeah. So I was thinking about HBO Max and uh, HBO and them just changing it to Max and why it's so fucking stupid for two reasons. One, Cinemax is a thing. So why mm-hmm. would you change Yeah, the thing they owned, right? Yeah, so yeah they own yeah. Closer to them. <laughs> and two... With everything being streaming, isn't this even closer to a home box office now? It's yep. almost like right. that was the, the right idea to begin with, Nathan. So maybe someone in a boardroom that gets paid a lot more than any of us will figure that the fuck out, David Zasloff, and your $150 million a year. Maybe so, they're too busy having a tiki Also, party. Max is just like the most nondescript word. Could and they took all the hubs away, right? There's yeah. no turn to plastic movies anymore. There's none of the things that might guide you. The you studio along Ghibli. Yeah. It's, it's silliness, man. It really is. Ridiculous. Uh, and I say this as a grown man that sampled the intro to classic HBO movies and some stuff that you'll see this year. And actually, that's one more little tiny tidbit for you before I let you go is that oh. everything has a pre-show reel this year. And I think the pre-show reels are really fucking fun. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've found some really great stuff. 
Yeah, that mid to early '80s HBO. Uh, oh, it's perfect. Uh, that sound like the, hits some the, the note song, in my soul. That is, yeah, that is my happy place in the world. One hundred percent. Yeah, that 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 told me when I was like eight years old, I was staying up for something I shouldn't be fucking watching. Yep, that's very much where I saw the Monster Squad the first time yep. for sure. And yeah, so it's it's uh, it's awesome, and the Wraith for that matter, actually. So. Oh, hell yes. Yeah, you're talking about dopamine kicks earlier, Chris. That's uh, that's definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, man. I just feel like a rat with one of those feeder bars where they just, you know, hit and grabbing the pellet every once in a while. So it's <laughs> and Discord's been that too. It's just been so great to watch people like continue to champion things like you guys were talking about, like well after they play. So I love that shit. Yeah, I, I love that things are still going on in last year's Discord. There's still a very yep. active conversation. Uh, yeah, still yeah, a very made, active made, little community. We made the decision that instead of just like closing anyone out of this year's Discord, that even if you don't have a ticket to the festival, that we're inviting you to the new server. So we're going to be yeah. dropping that invite soon because it just feels like it's not like you don't just get to buy, have to buy a ticket to be part of this community. You're part of this community if you're active in this community. And why the fuck am I not going to invite anybody to be with us? So, you know, we even have like a scholarship program this year where legitimately when people have written us and said something about the festival meaning something to them and told us, you know, I'm broke this year, but I'll, I'll be sharing and letting people know. And it's like, dude, just get in here, buddy. You know, like kind of a thing like. We wanted to make sure that we built it into the budget to have the ability to extend a few free badges to people that were down on their luck because we sure have been at, at some point in 10 years. So, you know, it's just it, it's not it, I feel like that whole country club atmosphere where badges of festivals are, are way too much out of people's price range is something that needs to be examined too. like it, punk rock pricing is great, man. It uh, a lot more people come along with the ride with punk rock pricing and it feels good. Yeah, hell yeah, man! It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's again, it's all about the love of movies, all about respecting cinema. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Some, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's a stew. Exactly, Eric. Where do you want people to taste your stew? Oh, I don't know if I want anybody to do that, but uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, occasionally at the Chimerican, uh, which is spelled T H E C H I M E R I C A N, which again is entirely too long to spell out. Um, man welcome to why our website is chatfilmfest.org like right, a yeah. bunch of people to spell chattanooga it's like banana you don't know where all the n's and o's go it's like uh <laughs> oh, i can't do it i i was uh I, I was at goodwill the other day and some i was you know looking at their dvds and, and uh vhs and stuff and some lady was asking me how much they were it's like i there's a sign right there that says they're two bucks i I assumed that just like oh that's that's ridiculous. There's there, there's this place you know down uh, like down past Udawal. Uh, have you ever been to McCamey's? I was like uh, McCamey's. Yep. What McCamey? <laughs> and and she goes on about it. It's like oh yeah, they got these great big tubs full of DVDs. And I was like oh McKay's. And she kept calling it McCamey's. And I was just like <laughs> okay, bless yep. her to her. It will always be McCamey's. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Like, there's there's some things that I can understand why people would mess up, but McKay's is such a simple name, but nope, it is now McKamey's. You got to live in your own universe, I guess. I don't know, man. <laughs> whatever, whatever gets you through the day, at the, you know. Yep, yep. McKamey's. Yeah, you know, maybe she rescues a pup on her way from from purchasing the the complete lineup of Perfect Stranger seasons. It's it's fine. <laughs> it could be both in a perfect world. Maybe so. Oh, uh, Eric, you didn't finish saying where people can find you. What? What? What's your? Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, do I? Maybe I don't want people to find me. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. I'm also on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews. I'm on Letterbox to Eric J A Y. 
Those are all the places I can be found. And you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Uh, I, we have a Twitch that I've never done anything with. Um, we, we have, have a Twitch, Twitch too. Yeah. That's we exciting. Have, we have a Twitch. We have a Sceneer. Um, all of the things are our video monster pod. Uh, so be sure to follow Do us. Do we have there. a TikTok? We should make we a TikTok. That's where, that's where all the kids are at these days. I know we're not doing <laughs> we TikTok. We the influencers and then make a found footage movie. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's, I'll program that maybe. So it's happened before. <laughs> You know, actually, I feel like, uh, at least in my experience, I don't have a TikTok, but my wife does. But it feels like TikTok is mostly, at least on her algorithm, mostly just full of like elder millennial people uh, talking about the early 2000s and like pop punk music and shit. And all, all of the TikTok reels that I've seen like showing up on Facebook are just people's faces over top of a different video talking vertically about a video shot. and then like <laughs> yeah, vertically shot, vertically. is a reaction to, it's just like this is not for me uh that so is honestly my biggest gripe with uh influencer stuff and tiktok is like we're, we're teaching people to shoot video vertically and uh, i don't think i can yeah I don't like think what I, about the whole rest of that frame they gave you captain you could use it <laughs> Yeah, there there are times that uh, if if my wife is recording our kids doing something, I'll just take her phone and turn it sideways for it. It's like there you go, sweetie, and she's like, "What?" And then it'll be sideways vertically. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. It's like you've heard of sixteen by nine, but have you heard of nine by sixteen? <laughs> <laughs> Then they're just floating in the air. Uh, so yes, everywhere that we exist online at Video Monster Pod, you can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at the Gargoyle. That's G A R G Y L E because it's a gargoyle wearing an argyle sweater. And Eric, if people I like mean, this episode, what should they do? Uh, they should uh, leave us some reviews and say nice things about us, and uh, follow us on the social medias that we mentioned before. Yeah. And Leave us five stars. That's what we do. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Yeah, none of that four star shit. We hate that too. You gotta go five all the way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's Maximum either five the, or nothing. Um, yeah. What are you? Four stars like good enough, but fuck you with that. Come on. <laughs> we worked really hard. We're really sensitive, some of us. So <laughs> remember, when you're rating us, uh, you're not just telling us the quality of the podcast. You're telling us the quality of who we are as people. Oh God! Don't tell them that. This is the end. Our, uh, our identities are completely just wrapped open up in Pandora's this thing. box. Damn. <laughs> Why should people keep coming back? I asked what? myself that for ten straight years, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anything, because we're probably going to spend like eight episodes in a row talking about at Film Fest films. Sure. Well, yeah. that's beautiful. There's- I appreciate. I appreciate that mini series. <laughs> Bless you for doing it. <laughs> it's a straight up series eventually yeah, really okay. it's like 36 hours it worked for that dang serial show so you know fine <laughs> last year it seemed like every single time that dan and eric had finally worked their schedules out to where we could record something i'm like oh hey by the way guys we have another interview uh so find more time yeah i completely understand that because i'm currently trying to schedule like 65 q a's uh with 70 million different schedules it feels like uh so it's like we've learned to like just offer a couple of time slots and to be like i don't know what's good for you so like there's so many this year i and we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to be heard so again thank you guys for for doing some some fun exclusive q a stuff with us oh, yeah uh, yep. yeah definitely 
Uh, so uh, Dan, after our eight episodes or more or less, who knows how many we're gonna yeah. do of Chat Film Fest? <laughs> you got you got to do one for every night of Red Eye. That's at least eight, right? So if there I can do go, eight yeah. secret screenings, you can have eight episodes. No one can judge us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give beer recommendations of which beers would pair best with uh dude with if you want to do that we'll do what we did with Corey simpson's really incredible like what to eat and see while you're in chattanooga guide which is like if you look at our restaurant guide it's like the complete guide to downtown restaurants as told by some guy <laughs> as, as Corey wrote it and it's just perfect so if you want to do that please do it and we'll post it uh, all right because we did the same thing with like there's like a how to best fest guide that's coming out that i think i showed you guys on discord early that's like mm-hmm. just 25 goofy ass tips to maybe enjoy your week of just a little bit more well, I've I've got some ideas that we'll get to as soon as we stop recording, so that uh, we don't uh, give give too much of the sausage. Spoil the fun, yeah, Ex- exactly. Uh, yes, keep coming back. And uh, Dan, did you say what all what all else is coming up? Do we even know what we're doing next? I, we're doing one of our punch outs about punch outs. You know, we're getting really meta again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like bla- it just what- opens up a black hole somewhere in the universe every time we do stuff like that. So yeah, where like we it. want to do a punch out about what punch outs we're gonna do. Yeah, it's, that's coming up, isn't it? I man, I don't. It is. Know. We've fallen yeah. so far. We're recording some of this stuff out of order, so we'll see. We'll see. That's like a rodeo, right? That's enough that you classify it as a rodeo. I'm not sure. popcorn rodeo Uh, and you can be sure to listen to all of this live as we record who knows when we get around to posting it but you can listen to us live in discord Uh, the link can be found on our link tree which is linktree.com slash video monster pod because that's the same thing with all the other things and for just a second I almost consistency is key so I am told (laughs) like at this point so I have read I don't. I don't know that uh, at all. With my, all my different social media names, that I have to say every fucking episode. <laughs> you spelled that so quickly. I thought that might be the case. So I was like, man, he's got that down to a science. I can't even spell Chattanooga that fast. So well, maybe if Eric had created them himself when uh, we came up with these stupid names, rather than yeah, we'll get oh, around man. to it, and then I yeah, no, Nathan created them for me. He foisted jokes, them upon absolutely. me. Absolutely. So. I'm celebrating my 10th year of calling a shorts block. CFF salutes your shorts, for God's sake. So uh, here we go. <laughs> Again, you're doing the Lord's work, Chris. It feels like it sometimes, but other times I hear another voice that seems a little darker. So <laughs> You're doing the bub's work. Yep. God, do we miss bub's. Ah, uh, <laughs> yep. All right, we should wrap things up. Chris, thank you again. So very No problem, very, guys. Every year, it's a, it's a joy. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a blast. Yes, it has. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you, guys. And if you need any more recommendations of like 8,000 things when you ask me for one, I'll, uh, I'm happy to oblige at any point. So let me know. <laughs> well, we will definitely be asking. All right. That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, but not ourselves. Good night, everybody. <laughs>